Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Football Podcast, uh, episode 48. Uh, still in association with Luke Williamson Art and a Football for Brains 21 quiz book. And as always, a little bit more on those later on. Uh, first off, uh, big thanks to my guest on episode 47. And that was Gary Davis from the band Maze. Great band, great bloke. Really enjoyed the chat about Millwall. So, yeah, thank you, Gary. Um, if you haven't listened to that already, go back and give it a, give it a stream or what have you. Um, for this one, uh, I'm going to be talking to rock and roll magician and Fulham fan, The Magic Mod. Uh, the Magic Mod will be taking on the usual unpredictable randomness of five from five. He'll be picking his matches for the 4 for you segment and he'll be picking his Fulham 11 in a trippier through time. Alongside all that, uh, the usual new music segment of the top six. But obviously, now the season's finished, there's no five-tier champs. Uh, there's no PFP, FPL roundup either. So that's that. And also, there's no FM story for this one because I'm just not up to date with it. You know, just being honest about it. Um, instead of all that, we've got a mini overview of the top five English divisions uh, with some reviews of their team season from familiar and maybe some not so familiar voices. Uh, but before all that, though, um, before we go into the main chat, here's some information on Fulham. And it's time for kickoff. Right, so Fulham then, they are known as the Cottagers, or nicknamed even, uh, founded in 1879 um, as St Andrews Cricket and Football Club, apparently. Uh, They play at Craven Cottage. Uh, It's got a capacity of 22,384. They've just finished uh, 10th in the Premier League. Uh, The season before that, they won the championship. Uh, Main rivals got as Chelsea... uh, so played 81, won 10, drawn 26, lost 45. Uh, the last game was a nil-nil draw at Stamford Bridge back in February of this year. Uh, QPR, they played 42, uh, won 21, drawn 7, lost 14. Uh, the last meeting was at Loftus Road, and it was a 2-0 win to Fulham, and that was in April 2022 in the Championship. And then Brentford, uh, they played 65 times, Fulham have won 23, drawn 17, but they've lost 25 times. So that's a fairly even one. Uh, last meeting between the two teams um, was at the is it the Brentford Community Stadium. Unless it's sponsored, I don't know these days. Uh, but it was Brentford 3, Fulham 2, and that was March of this year. Uh, now, according to what I've been able to find out, the all-time leading goal scorer is Gordon Davis uh, with 178, and that was in two spells between... 1978 and 1984 and uh, 1986 and 1991. Uh, all-time leading appearance holder is Johnny Haynes. Uh, so between 1952 and 1970, made 658 appearances for the senior team. Uh, highest transfer fee paid was for Andre Frank Zambo and Guisia. I don't know if I've got his own name right, but that was to Marseille for 22.8 million in 2018. Highest fee received was for Ryan Sessignon uh, going to Tottenham for £25 million in 2019. Uh, record winning the league was 10-1 at home to Ipswich in December 1963 in the Old Division 1. Uh, record FA Cup win was 7-0 against Swansea in November 1995 at home in the first round. Record league cup win 6-0 against Port Vale again at home 
uh, August 2010 in the second round. Record European win came in the 2011-12 Europa League second qualifying round at home versus Crusaders, and that was 4-0. Uh, record league defeat, 9-0 away to Wolves in the first division in September 1959. Record FA Cup defeat, uh, we've got 5-0 and that's happened on multiple occasions. Uh, 1996 against Plymouth away in the first round. Uh, 1977 against Swindon in the third round replay. Uh, 1961 against Newcastle, uh, and that was in the third round as well. And then January 1933 against Chester City in the third round, all away ties. Uh, record League Cup defeat came in September 1986 in the second round first leg. And that was 10-0 against Liverpool. That seems quite a battering for the league, but never mind. Uh, record European defeat was in the 2009-10 Europa League. And that was 3-1 away to Juventus in the first leg of the round of 16. Uh, Honours-wise, uh, nothing for the top tier. Uh, but they've won the championship or second division, division one, whatever you want to call it these days. Uh, they won that in the 1948-49 season, 2000-2001, uh, and the 21-22 season. Uh, they were runners-up in the 58-59 season, and they also won the playoffs in 2018 and 2020. At Tier 3, uh, they won the league in 1932 and 1999. Uh, they are also runners-up or promoted from it in 1971 and 1982. Uh, they also won the third tier, fourth division, League Two, say whichever way you want to paint it, uh, in 1997. Uh, FA Cup, they've been runners-up in 1975. Uh, nothing for the League Cup or uh, EFL. Uh, they were runners-up in the 2010 Europa League, and they also won the 2002 Intertoto Cup. Uh, as for a few players who've got a foot in both camps, so for Fulham man West Brom, uh, we've got Jonathan Greenham, Diamante Kamara, Zoltan Gira, Jeff Horsfield, and Yunichi Namoto. That'll make a cracking five-a-side team. Doesn't matter if there's no goalkeeper. Uh, five famous fans. We've got author and presenter, um, co-host on Pointless. Well, used to be anyway, I don't know if he still is. Uh, Richard Osman, uh, rapper, example, uh, musician and actress, Lily Allen, uh, actor, Hugh Laurie, and actor Hugh Grant. Okay, so I'd like to welcome to this episode of the Project Football Podcast, um, Magician, which is a first for the show, and Fulham fan, which is also a first. Magic Mod, welcome. How are you doing? I'm very well, my friend. You? Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, thank you for making it. It's all right, mate. It's all right. No so, problem uh, at all. And it's good to have um, not only a new... I say profession on, but also a new team in Fulham as well. But we'll we'll get to that in a bit. Um, so, like I said, you go by the magic mod. Yeah, um, you're a magician. Yeah. So, how did all that come about? Was it like a love uh, of magic as a kid, or did you just sort of fall into it, maybe? Or I... well, I think a bit of both, to be perfectly honest with you, mate. I mean, I started at a very young age, about six. I think it's six or seven. Mum and Dad got me a Paul Daniels magic set. And ever since I lifted the lid off that set, that was it. I was I was just hooked on it because I love the fascination of performing a trick to someone and 
what they experience is just something it, it is truly magical you know it's like a kid on christmas day when they open a present that they want you know it's like that's that's how i compare it to because i think the way you feel you know people forget about everything there was a quote i did years ago when i did this documentary and and, and i was someone sort of asked me to explain about it i said you know when when i'm doing a trick people forget about every single problem that they've got you know we all have problems we all have money worries and you know problems and stuff we do worry about but as soon as someone's shown you a bit of magic it's like you forget and you go back to being a kid again and i think that's for me that that's that's brilliant that is truly magic <laughs> magic i like it it's um, good so it's, it's literally like you've, you've got their 100 percent attention for the however long it takes you to do the trick and they're just sort of mesmerized with that uh, yeah man. You, you can see the sort of wheels turning i'm guessing it's like how the bloody hell did he do that Exactly, yeah. and if all else fails, at least I look fucking good while I'm doing it, you know. Well, there you go. And that, people think, hang on, what's he going to start singing? And you pull out a deck of cards and that. And that's what I like, because obviously, I don't, you know, when I go on these tours and that, and I turn up on the stage, people are like, oh, this is different, what's he going to do? And then you start yeah. producing a deck of cards and making milk disappear and bottles smashing and stuff like that, and it's like, shit, this is different. It's pretty cool, this, do you know what I mean? So... Yeah, man, I just, I just love it. I could talk. We could do a whole podcast talking about magic, mate. Honestly, because it's something I'm so passionate about. I, I dare say there probably is one at least out there that would cover that. So if I find there's it, I'll a let few, you know. mate. There's a few, and I'll recommend them if you want to go to sleep. <laughs> if I wanted to go to sleep, I'll just start reading the Albion history book. So there you go. <laughs> Don't know, um, how long have you been doing it for? Well, magic. Yes. Since I was about six years old, mate, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm 32 now and I've never had a break out of it. I mean, obviously, in between you pick up other hobbies like fishing, boxing, uh, football, all sorts, mate. But it, magic's something that I never really grew out of. Yeah. It was something that got me in trouble a lot at school because I always had a deck of cards on me and I was always showing kids tricks and betting for lunch money. You know, like with the two-card Monty, I'd say, right, where's the queen and make them sort of go towards the left, make it look obvious that it's there. And, you know, they put a couple of quid down and actually the Queen's on the right. So That's your roast you dinner know. brought for a Wednesday, isn't it? There you go. That was, mate, I think it was two for Tuesday or whatever it was on a pizza. I can't remember <laughs> back now. Mate. I mean, whatever it was back then. But, you know, it's something that I've always had, a, as I said, a big a big passion for and a love. And I, if if you're being honest with yourself, I don't think there's anyone who really hates magic. You know, you, you get people who say they do, but they don't. They just don't want to be fooled. Yeah, if you know what I mean. They and love it. Sort of embarrassed by not knowing. But magic. they but, hate not knowing how it's done. But that's sort of the the beauty of it, isn't it? Is that you know what you're doing. Yeah, you well, know half the time, but more so than the punter is anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, like I say, you can see them. They're they're trying desperately to work out. You know, if I'm watching his hands doing this, that, and the other, then you know, in the click of a finger, that you've done what you needed to do. They've missed it, and you're just like, "Yep, gotcha." Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, it is like literally. I said this the other day in a in a podcast. Funny enough, magic is ninety percent patter, and then the rest is just the actual magic trick because <laughs> yeah. you know. Every, the way I look at it is anyone can do a magic trick if they want to, you know, anyone can learn a trick, but you know, it's how you present the trick. I do it with comedy because I don't like watching magicians who take it so seriously. Like, oh, now I'm just going to make a deck of cards appear. I'm going to make a few doves appear. Oh, this is amazing. Shazam. Fuck me, mate. That is shit. I want to see someone who's a bit like Paul Daniels and Tommy Cooper and who I love to watch and who's, 
not only am I amazed, but I'm also laughing, you know, yeah. pissing myself laughing, watching it at the same time. And I think that's why, you know, the, the people who do follow my journey and, and watch me is brilliant. And I think they love that. It's like comedy magic. It's like a rock and roll magic show with comedy. And it's it just, yeah, man, it's like, it just seems to work, you know. I think mean, it's like, the, the the showmanship, but just you know, in a different direction, isn't it? Hundred percent. You know, as soon as I walk on that stage, I mean, that's it. it I can't explain it. You know, it's um, it's a whole different buzz from anything I've ever done or taken in my in the past. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no, um, I think I've noticed as well on. I don't know if you just do it on Twitter or if it's on other you know social platforms, but you do like a. Yeah, a Magic Monday, don't you? Yeah, mate. Yeah, Magic Mod Monday. I, I think I've done it for five years now. And um, no, yeah, no, I've done it for five years. Sorry. And uh, <clears throat> it started off, I was getting about 200, 300, sorry, two to 300 views a week. And I was happy with that because the thing is with me is I don't care if people don't watch the tricks. I do it because I love to do the magic. You know, the fact yeah. that people love watching what I do is beautiful. And I've got nothing but love and respect for everyone who takes time in their busy schedule to watch little old me do a magic trick. You know what I mean? Because I think that's truly amazing. And uh, since then, I've had millions and millions of views, mate. I mean, I I think if I'm right, I think it might be, it's either 5 million or 6 million views over the whole trick since I started. And I know you're going to have people going, well, how does he know that? Well, I'll tell you now, every time that I do a trick, the next week I'll write down in my book. Where is my book? This one here. I'll write down. Let me show you. So look, Magic Mod Monday. This was from the 4th of the 1st, 2021. So I posted it at 7.20. The views at 8, 8.30 were 8,788. The views at 10.30 were 13,756. The views after 24 hours, funny enough, I didn't put that in. I got a bit bored. But the views <laughs> the next day ended up being something like 60,000. So I always write down my own view, the, like the records. Do you know what I mean? A, yeah. bit like, a bit like a commentator, you know, writing stuff down. I do that every week and I've done it for the last five years. So I know which trick I've used, sorry, which trick I've done, um, what music I've used and how many people have viewed it. And I also used to, uh, not so much now, but I used to put like how much of a following would go up. And it was incredible. The whole lockdown one was mental. I went from something like 13, 13 or 14,000 followers to like 21 or 22,000. And it was like, wow. That was quite a jump really, isn't it? Oh, it's mind blowing. I think it's on maybe 30 or 31 now. I'm not sure. You know, not that I'm one of these people who looks at it and goes, oh, fuck me, this is brilliant. Because as I said, people who follow me, I've, I've got the utmost respect for them because, you know, I don't beg people to follow me. It's just amazing that people want to follow this journey and love what I do. And for that, I don't class. Someone said the other day, they said, oh, a private message. Someone private messaged me and asked me when I'm performing and that. They said, you might not get back to me. And I thought, fuck me, I might not get back to you. I said, I'm like, mate, I'm not Jay-Z or Kanye West. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course I'll get back to you. And he's like, oh, it's so lovely that you've got time for your fans. I said, I don't have fans. I have family. Because that's how I look at it. Like, it's just all one big family to me. And that's why I'm just, I don't know. I love everyone who's got time for me. And yeah, that's the way it's always going to be, mate. 
see yourself as just a normal bloke doing stuff to keep people entertained, isn't it? The thing is, mate, I am a normal bloke and I don't like, you know, I'm, I, the way I look at it is I'm very fortunate to be in an industry where not only have I met my heroes, but I've worked with them and, and, and I can call a lot of them my friends, you know, that that's mental. But at the end of the day, I'm still just Ben Taylor, who grew up in Crawley, who, who um, ended up wanting to be a footballer, but found out he was shit. You know what I mean? And we've all been there. What, Crawley? Not, well, <laughs> I, I had a feeling you might say that. Not necessarily Crawley, but no, finding out that you're not so great with, you know, on the pitch and uh, alternative careers beckon. Listen, at least I scored at Craven Cottage. I'm happy about that, mate. Oh, fair enough. That'd do um, me. I've, uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think what my greatest claim would be, but no. no. I don't I mean, think we've got time, have we? I'd, I'd be thinking for quite a while, to be fair. So, no. Um, but I'm only messing about, mate. It's your show. My, most of mine's been five-a-side. Nothing wrong with that, mate. Yeah, I wish uh, I could still play. Like my knees, my knees have gone completely. Like I, the cartilage in it. It's, my, my knee cap actually moves. Ooh. Like every day, I have to click it back in. So even when I'm doing shows. So when I went on the previous tour, um, one day when I got off the stage, my knee locked, and I had to literally push the kneecap back in. It's it's brutal, mate. I needed an operation on my knee for the last two three years, but I don't like operations. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're talking someone who's had a ACL reconstruction, so yeah, you're oh, preaching shit. to the choir that yeah, not fun. <laughs> um, again, I know you're the guest, but literally, I was playing, went to block the ball from only about two, three feet off the mm. ground. As I put my leg out to do it, and my foot hit the the, uh, the turf, studs got caught in the ground. Body weight went one way, leg went the other. This almighty crunch, I hit the deck like a sack of crap. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was my playing days. Pretty much over at that point. I heard you could have played for Fulham as well and like Real Madrid. Maybe on FIFA. <laughs> See, I've got one in as well now, so there we go. <laughs> Good, man. So, um, Touring-wise, sort of, what does that entail? Is it sort of like just regional or, I mean, national? or? Um, man, so I've done, I've been on five tours um, now. The most recent one was... Uh, 18 dates, I think, with uh, Brian Jonestown Massacre all up and down the UK and Ireland, and mind blowing, mate. Like, I class everyone I've been on tour with, I class them as a family because what people don't understand is you're you're bonding every single day because you're on the tour bus, you're seeing them every day in the venue yeah. and after, and and you know it's an amazing thing. And um, this tour more than ever, I mean, a lot of people who follow my journey know that I've, I've turned to sobriety and all that, and. Uh, you know, the, that was the first tour I've ever done sober. And I tell you what, mate, I remember everything. And I'm, I'm I hopefully want to try and write a book about all my um, like, um, shows I've done and all that. Because, yeah. you know, I don't, again, not for anyone else, just for myself, because it's, um, it's amazing to relive some of the, some of the things I've done. Because I've said it before, if, if it was a band reeling off the names that I've been on tours with and that, people go, fuck me, like, they're unbelievable. But because it's, it's a magician, it's sort of, I want to say I don't get the credit I deserve because then that means that I, I expect more and I don't. I just think sometimes it sort of gets overlooked, the achievement that I've done. And yeah. I'm my biggest fan, mate. So is my mum, so is my dad, so is my little boy. Well, he doesn't know enough at the moment, but I'm going to make him being a big fan. And the, my my lovely partner as well. She's um she's a fantastic support. So I'm I'm surrounded by good people, which 
which it hasn't always been like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's a that's a good foundation, isn't it? If you've got you know your, your nearest and dearest on your side, yeah, and you know you're on a on a solid footing from there, and you can only only go up really. Of course. Of course. Oh, yeah. Um, should we move on to the football? Yeah, let's have it, man. Because I'm hoping to get a kebab in a minute. Oh, fancy sending one up this way then, yeah? I'll, I'll go. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I send you my I send you my PayPal details, mate. Yeah, yeah sure. Why note. not? Get it on just I'm sure I'll find well. someone. <laughs> um, so, Fulham fan. Yes. Uh, how long for? How did it come about? Oh, since 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 I can ride a bike, mate. I remember my dad taking me at a young age, and it was I was hooked on it, mate. I just loved everything: the atmosphere, the the smell of the ground. I know it sounds stupid, but like the smell of the hot dogs that were being burnt and. Just everything about it, and you're so close to the ground. You're so, sorry, you're so close to the pitch, and you don't get that with many, many grounds. And Fulham's, you're literally right on top, and it's it's one of the last greatest, you know, old school grounds. I, I was like going to say, say old school, isn't it? and like yeah, with the modern yeah. day ones, they're sort of there's almost like a template to them. It's like away. flat pack stadiums, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, like an IKEA pack, isn't it? You yeah, know, like, you're too far away. Like look at West Ham's; they had a lovely ground, and you go on there, you need your binoculars if you're sitting at the back, mate. Which is what it is, but it's not about the fans really now, is it? It's got more and more away from the fans. It's a business now, isn't it? Of course it is, yeah. And it's it's a, sh- it's a shame, but it's the way it is now, man. It is. Um, how often do you get to go? I mean, like, have you got season yeah, ticket I used or to not? Go all the time, mate. Yeah. yeah, I used to be a season ticket holder with my dad in the Riverside End, and I used to go all the time. I've seen some amazing games and some. Some shit ones as well, but you <laughs> yeah. know, it's what it's all about. You know, you take the highs with the lows. Oh, definitely. I mean, like I say, as a West Brom fan of over 30 years, I mean, obviously, majority lows, but when you do get those highs, you make the most of them. Yeah, definitely, man. 100%. So, yeah. Um, happy with how the season's gone. I mean, you finished in 10th place. You finished comfortably. Listen, mate, as long as we, we, we finished above Chelsea, that'd do me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we. We took four points off them this season and we finished above them comfortably. Like, yeah. That'd do me. That will do me. That's a thing. I've, a got, thing. Go I've got a picture on the fridge of the scoreboard, actually, of when we beat them 2-1. Vinicius <laughs> scored the... Uh, William and Vinicius scored the uh, winner. But I've actually, in the other room, I've got a picture of um, the celebration with Anthony Robinson and Vinicius in it as well. And... Uh, yeah, you're a bit happy with that one. Listen, when we first beat Chelsea at the cottage 2005, I think, or six, Lewis Belmore scored, Jogba scored, but got disallowed. Gallas got sent off. Pitch invasion after the game. That's a week later, I ended up making a shirt like the scoreboard saying Fulham won, Chelsea nil, priceless. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a bit obsessed when we beat them. I was going to say, if people had said, you know, that you're going to finish comfortably above Chelsea, you'd expect to be getting what Champions League, you know, you're winning the league, or you? Mate. yeah, 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 100%. You know, as I said, though, they're not going to be like that next season, but I don't think they'll end up in the Champions League because I think it's going to take them a while to sort of get back to where they were. And yeah, listen, I, I, I love the banner, I know a lot of a lot of ex Chelsea players, and I have a crap with them, and I know a lot of people who follow me are Chelsea fans, but. You know, I just love to listen. As I said, to someone the other day, you know, what's football without a bit of banter? You know, oh, I, gotcha. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like not talk to someone because they support that team. I mean, I don't really hate anyone. I dislike Brentford, QPR, Chelsea, Gillingham. Um, who else? 
probably Liverpool, Manchester United fan. No, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but listen, it's all it's all for the laugh, isn't it, mate? You know, it's, that's what football's about. If you didn't have a bit of stick with the other the opposition fans, I mean, you might as well watch fucking billiards or something. Oh, so it's interesting you say Gillingham because I know obviously Brentford, QPR, Chelsea, and also you know West London as well. But Gillingham more sort of well, they're Kent. Yeah. They? So that goes back, mate. That little rivalry happened. Um, Think, let, let me Google it. I think it was two thousand no ninety seven or ninety eight. Um, Fulham played Gillingham uh, at Gillingham, sorry. And one of our fans, I think there was a bit of a scrap outside for ground or something. Right. And uh, I think his name was Matthew Fox. He ended up getting hit and lost. He tragically lost his life. Yeah. Uh, when was it? It was 90, oh, 98, yeah. And so since then, it's sort of been like a rivalry. Um, there's not been many times we've played Gillingham. We could have nearly played them in a couple, couple of times, but they ended up shitting out and uh, it never happened. But, you know, it's one of them. So it's a sad, sad way. No one should should ever go to a football game and not end up coming home. Do you know what I mean? No, but God bless him. I mean, He's this... always... Um, He's always remembered at the cottage yeah. by everyone when when it's the anniversary and um yeah long that, that that's going to continue that's not going to change because yeah, you know not. we're a family at Fulham yeah that sort of thing unfortunately has happened way too often hasn't it you know you've got a lot of hills for a high soul sadly it has mate let me just grab a coke um, okay carry on drinking. let me just go to the yeah no worries. yeah I've kind of lost track now which is not unusual we were for talking me, so we, we, said yes, about we, the we were talking yeah <laughs> yeah well, I um, think so. So, yeah, we were on about the Gillingham thing, weren't we? So, go on. Yeah, so uh, I've done that bit. And then, um, yeah. yeah, so, boom, right, shoot. So back onto it. So, obviously, with Gillingham, like I say, not being in the same division, you haven't really got that. Rhythm, but it's no. not not the way you want a rivalry to occur, is it, really? Uh, of course not, man. But, you know, it's it's like, I mean, there's so many different rivalries out there who, it's a rivalry for the wrong reasons, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 in all the leagues, but um, oh, what's going off out there, mate? <laughs> it's like you know, it's yeah, it's welcome to Belfast. This that's a regular occurrence when you hear people saying "get here now" and stuff yeah. like that. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's, it, it's like you know, you get rivalries based on religion, which I don't really get that. Personally, oh yeah, but, we only got to look at the Rangers, Celtic, and all that. And it, that's exactly, massive. yeah. I mean, it's not a football match. That's a religion, mate. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's just right just before anything's happened, and you see the fixing is like right. That's going to go off on that day, guaranteed. And oh, of course, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I hope the coppers put it that way. Mental, isn't it? Yeah. Um, how do you think you're going to fare next season? Because obviously, you know, you finished mid-table this season. Europa League. Fair enough. Yeah, Seems man. certain enough when you're saying that. Well, yeah, I think we got the right man. As long as we can keep hold of him and he doesn't go, keep hold of Mitrovic. I know um, that mob down the road want to get hold of him, but they can back off. Do you know what I, I mean? Imagine that happening. He's, he's like a you know, money talks, though, don't it? You know. Well, yeah, that's true. He's a messiah at Fulham, isn't he? Oh, he's a god, mate. Yeah, he'll end up he'll end up getting a statue if he carries on, mate. You know, along with the George Cohen statue and the um, Johnny Ains one. So as, long as, it's not, as long as it's not like the Michael Jackson one, then we're all right. Listen, that is absolutely shambolic, mate. Like the fact that I mean, Al Fayed, he's he's a legend at Fulham, and everyone loves him, and no one would say a bad word about him. 
<laughs> but you know that was just a weird thing it was a friend of his but like we said he wanted to pay tribute to Michael Jackson and obviously Fulham was his baby and he put a statue there but no one liked him mate it attracted tourists every week yeah it was actually a fucking a shop next to it and it sold programs the Michael Jackson statue programs and it had a story about when he come to Fulham and the pictures and then you could buy like a scarf and it, it got out of hand mate so when Shahid Khan come in the first thing he did was get rid of that and went straight away he was a hero. Yeah. I think it's I think it's in the um the football museum in Cardiff or Liverpool. I'm like, okay, so it still exists then. Oh yeah, it didn't get melted down or nothing. I mean it should have been fucking thrown in the Thames, but yeah. you know, I mean but you wouldn't want to subject the fish to that, would you? Mate, I, no time for that, but it was a weird thing to have and I'm just glad that I don't have to fucking look at it anymore. So um you said you yeah, you fancy yourself to qualify sort of for at least Europa League next season. If yeah, you build around what nice, you've got at the mate. moment, and there's no reason yes. why not, really. Put some new additions in there. I think they're after Fred from Man United. Him, Marco Silva was having a long chat with him after the game. Who knows, you know. We'll just see what happens, mate. A few more additions. I wouldn't mind seeing... I'd love to see players like maybe get Ryan Sessignon back or something, or even... I know Fabio Carvalho at Liverpool, right? It's not really going out for him, but I wouldn't have him back because I just didn't like the way he left, really. And I'm a bit like that. Magic, <laughs> you, know, you can lie in it, sort of thing. Well, that's it, man. They always think the grass is green on the other side, but it won't. No, don't know his work like that. And I was trying to think of a, you know, another one like that. Oh, Lukaku, I suppose. Yes. Is this one yeah, he's yeah. been here, there, and everywhere, and you know, goes back to Chelsea and just didn't play out for him, did he? No, exactly. There's what? a few, man. Too. More than we can care to mention, anyway. Exactly. But, but, um, I was going to say about, uh, is it Leno you've got in goal? Yeah. But Leno, was, he, yeah. was he only on loan from Arsenal or did you buy him? So you're asking me a question now, which we've had so many people on loan. I don't want to say, I, I, I like to think, I want to say that we bought him. But yeah. I might be wrong there because I don't, I can't keep up with how many people we've got on loan and all that these days, mate. But, He's been a revolution. A revelation. I think the word is that at Fulham. He's been absolutely incredible, and um, he saved us. Or he's he's won us games just on these performances alone, mate. You know, I mean, we have Rodak was our normal. He was the one we normally had, yeah. and um, young kid prone to a mistake. Brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper though. But you know, this Leno's come and he's been unbelievable. Three-year deal. Leno on a three-year deal, yeah. So it'd be good to see him in the sticks again because he was he was fantastic, mate. So total passes. That's the sort of level you want to be aiming to get, isn't it? I mean, I might see some people might see it as other teams' cast-offs, but considering the level that they're coming from, that's yeah, what you want to get to, isn't it? Oh, 100 percent. Yes, yeah. We need to attract players like that. Definitely, Definitely man. So. Shall we move on to the uh, the first of the guest segments then? Yeah, let's smash it up, part man. Seems like a, a a good time to do it. It's uh, it's quite random, so I think we'll be cool. all right with that. Cool. Um, it's five from five, which anyone who's not familiar with this, it's basically I've got five blocks of eleven questions, and I've got a no expense spared free spinner that I put together on the internet, which I'm. Hoping that you can see now, Mod. Yeah, I've got it, man. I've got there it. There we go. So, spin of the wheel. It'll come up with a number between 1 and 11. Go on. That'll come up with a question. 
All you've got to do is give us a, an answer to it. Right, yeah, go on, mate. Right, here we go then. First one. See, sound effects as well. What more do you want? Fuck, mate. What, mate? No expenses spared here. That's it. Uh, right, so that was number six. Uh, you got a last-minute penalty in a cup game. It, the score's level. Which past or present Fulham player do you want taking the penalty? Danny Murphy. I say it wouldn't be Mitrovic with his record this season, would it? No, mate. No, Danny <laughs> Murphy has scored. He, he's been. He, he used to bang some penalties away for us. You could miss the reliable, really. I mean, yeah, de- definitely Danny Murphy. Uh, so right, uh, next one. This is bullshit. Number six again. Mate, this is fucking... Ri- right, George Best. <laughs> um, do you have a favourite formation? If there's a George Best formation, then that's just something, you know, uh, that literally would be magic. Any any winning formation is good for me. 4 4 I like. Old school. Classic. Okay. Uh, number three. If this is six again, I'm, I'm Mate, going... if this is six, I'm fucking off. Nine. Or is it a six upside down? It could. It depends which way you're looking at it, really. If you turn your phone the right way, it might be. Well, for the rest of the show, you're glad that it ain't. So. Yeah. <laughs> right, so number nine is... I got that one. So do you prefer a lone striker or a strike partnership? Strike partnership. Any particular sort, like two of the same or like a little and large? Or I, I used to like a little and large. I used to like it when we had like... Samora and Johnson. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mitrovic is hard with him because he like he's just a lone striker. He doesn't really. I know it sounds stupid, but sometimes it doesn't always work when we have got an, you know a second striker there. But um, let me try to think who else. Um, Lewis Sapa, Hales. Uh, on mind, yeah. Strike partnership, mate. All day of the week when it when it's ticking over and you got them. Firing on all cylinders, mate. You you can't go wrong there. I suppose if one's having an off day, you've got the other one to rely on, ain't you? And they can sort of drag exactly. you down. Exactly. Listen, they so. could be shit all game, but if they set you up or they end up scoring, job done. That's it. All it takes is a cheeky little rebound or something, and you're happy. Exactly. So. Right. Uh, number four. It's number four. Wow. Who thought? So. Right. As a teacher, what past or present Fulham player could you see doing that and what subject would they teach? So, study that again. You So, so pick what, a past yeah. or present player that yeah. would have past been Past or present teacher. Fulham player to be a teacher and what subject? Um, <sighs> right. I'm going to say I'm going to say Steve Sidwell and PE because he just come across as a obviously it was going to be PE but he just come across as someone who could be really good with teaching people and that and met him a very met him a lot of times actually really lovely bloke and um, yeah he just come across as someone who, who would do the job yeah Okay, so generally though, you tend to find PE teachers teach a second subject. So would he have a second one, or would he just be pure PE? I'm gonna set right. Um, fuck it, I do woodwork as well. <laughs> Old school. Mm. Did the kids even get taught woodwork these days, or? I don't... 
Oh, I used to make some rascal things back in the day, mate. I'm telling you. <laughs> right. Last one, then. There we've got... Number four again. This has been quite consistent, this one, hasn't it? Consistently what? Well, fill in the blanks. There you go. Um, so what do you class as the perfect hat-trick? Is it doing the same thing three times or no. left foot, right foot, header? Left foot, right foot, header. There's no other... Like all this other bollocks about, oh, no, it's got to be... The, it's, it's left foot, right foot, header. That's it. That's the perfect hat-trick. There's no other way to explain it. That's okay. That's it. I'm happy with that because that's what I think as well. So, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, anything other than that is well, it's just a hat trick, isn't it? Well, that's it, mate. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's a perfect hat trick. That's that bit done with. So, sweet man, right. lovely. Second number two for you is uh, four for you. So again, explanation for anyone who's not heard this before. Um, Mod's going to pick five matches that he could experience from the point of view of any particular player from that match. Sounds yeah. easy enough. But is well, it? Oh, right. And it, it, can it be from all from Fulham? It can be all Fulham. It could be all, all whoever right. you so like. The first, one, the first one is going to be a different one, right? It's going to be Man United versus Crystal Palace. And it's going to be from Eric Cantona's point of view. Ah, uh, Kung Fu kick. Yeah. Second one, I'm going to say um, France versus Italy, Senadine Sedan. Yeah. Obviously, the famous headbutt. Um, There's quite a, a violent start to this, isn't it? <laughs> I know. I'm actually quite, I'm not a violent person, but I just. If, if the next just, one you say is either it's like Lebo, you're scrapping with Kieran Dyer, then. No, I was going to say uh, Roy Keane versus that Harlem player or whatever, wasn't it? Yes, I was. Um, was it Man United versus Man City? Man City. Man City yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to say Janichi and the Moto for oh, Fulham legend. in in the um, Intertoto Cup final at, at um, Loftus Park, uh, Loftus Road. Can't remember who we played, but I know he scored an absolute. Bat. He was on fire. Everything he touched went in. Yeah, he was a great little player. He's one that played for us as well. He was a great player, man. Yeah, what an engine on him. It's just how many is that? Three. 
That's three, and you, you're going through them at quite a pace. So, uh, yeah. George, uh, but no, 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 no. Uh, Johnny Haynes, any, I don't know any, like, any game he played for Fulham because apparently he was he was someone who could pass the ball better than Beckham. Like, apparently he could get it right on the end of your toenail. Like, he was that good at passing the ball. And you look at the balls that they used to have back in them days. You know, We're talking 60s, presumably. Yeah, he was yeah. there 50s, 60s, and he may, I'm sure he's our record. He's been at foot, he was like a one man club. I'm sure he holds the record for the most uh, like appearances at Fulham. Um, but he was the first uh, £100 a week player as well. Yeah, which I suppose back then would have been quite a lot of money, wouldn't it? Yeah, man. But you look at how ridiculous that is now. Yeah, Johnny Haynes. So, um, God bless Wikipedia. Do you know what I mean? I was going to say, it's, it's great when it's just at the uh, right there, isn't it? I'm sure it's something ridiculous, like 500 or... Uh, I've got it here because I've made oh, a yeah, note of the stuff for the start of the episode. 594 appearances. So, I went too far off. Yeah, 19... 146 goals, 1952 to 1970. So I was, I was yep. pretty bang on the money there. So he covered three different decades. That's all right, isn't it? You don't get a lot of that these days. Played for England as well, not forgetting. Oh, exactly. Nine so from 54 to 62. But apparently he was just, yeah, man. You know that Britain's first footballer to earn £100 a week. That is insanity. Especially back then, definitely. I mean, what would that equate to these days? Oh, God knows. 50 grand? Don't know. Who, can, uh, who knows? But then again, what does 50 grand get you, in, especially in the Prem? I don't know. I could probably tell you and show you. I'd, I'd, I'd sit on the bench for pretty much anyone for 50 grand a week, to be fair. Oh, mate, I'll be doing cartwheels on the bench. Yeah, too, right? So, you've got four out of your five. Um, oh, right. Um, David Healy from Northern Ireland versus England, that famous goal he scored against England just uh, he gets talked about a lot over here I just would like to experience everything he went through and yeah man I think that's quite a good little it's, you weren't expecting that so I've sort of like boom thrown you a little curve that's, that's well. come from left field that, so that was they went on to win that one didn't they yeah 1-0 I think it was yeah it was that it was a qualifying competition I think I think it was mate I think it was I don't know which one for. I'm going to say World Cup. Well, it's, it's your World Cup with Euros, isn't it? So it was, it's a 50 yeah. 50. I think, yeah. yeah. No, wasn't it Euros? It might have been Euros. I, I think, think it was Euros. Was it 2006 or something like that? But no, listen, we're getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves we, here now. We, we, we could throw years out there, and one of them's got to be right eventually, isn't there, really? Exactly, mate. It's in it, between, you know, and yeah. So, yeah, it was yeah. somewhere between then and now. So exactly. Happy days. But four for you, done and dusted. Um, that's got to be some sort of record, I think, for getting through that. I, I hope uh, you don't don't think I'm being rude by just smashing it out. I'm no, not. No. I didn't mean to do it quick. Like it's just the way it happened. So don't no, think no, that. that every, that's fine. Don't think I just want to fuck off things. <laughs> like it's not like that. It's, it <laughs> I just say it's not been be that really bad, surely. Quick. No, no, it just happened <laughs> to be really quick. Fly injury. Here's Davis. It's a good ball. The flag stays down. Hitting. What a moment for Northern Ireland! What a moment for Windsor Park! They're off the bench. The manager, no change of expression. 
What about that for your 19th international goal? It's against England. Well, you were true in what you said. You look at the reaction from the Northern Ireland fans. The place has certainly gone absolutely crazy. Great. They've tried to play David Healy offside. And I said earlier on about the linesman's decisions, they've been spot on and he was... It was close. But what a great finish from David Healy right in the top corner. Luke Williamson Art is a family-run business producing digital art prints of iconic and famous football grounds from yesteryear, running since 2017. Also, by entering the code PROJFOOT10, that's P-R-O-J-F-O-O-T-1-0 at the checkout, you'll get 10% off any artwork purchased. And also, if you're looking for a football quiz book with over 700 questions, as well as chapters on football in lockdown and the Diary of a Memorabilia Collector, look no further than Football for Brains 21 by Stephen End. A donation from the sale of each book goes towards the Scores Project and Head for Change charities. And back to the show. So, the last bit then that we need uh, your input for is on, mate. the brilliantly named, and I'm sticking with the fact that it's brilliant because why the hell yeah. not? A trickier yeah. through time. It's good. So it will make sense. Yeah, um, that's good. You've got to come up with your best or favourite Fulham eleven players between the 60s and the 2020s. Fuck me. Yeah. No more than two players from any decade. But what I've done recently is I've brought in what I'm calling the City Lights rule. And I'm sure the lads will appreciate me naming that after them because, well, it's their fault because I did it to start with. But uh, the band, the band. Yep. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. I had Luke and Bion and they come up with, I think, three players from one decade. Um, but, you know, I like them, so I'll let them off. So you can have one like, decade where you've got three players from instead of the I mean, two. Do you like me that much that I could get away with eleven players in one decade? Or um, depends no. who the eleven players are. Yeah. If one, if it, the three of them are ex Albion, then I'll let you off. Shit! Right, I'm going <laughs> to go. I'm start off. Do, we get, are you going to have a different form, a certain formation? Yeah. Should we go with four four two? Go I classic, like yeah. It is, man, and I'm I'm a bit. You know, I'm a classic sort of guy, I suppose. So I'll give that a go, mate. And do you want me to pick a manager as well? Yeah, well, yeah, we'll do. I mean, you did the manager first if you want. Yeah, I'd like to say Jean Tagana. Okay. He was the definition of cool. Uh, like you get all these people say, "Oh, Jose Mourinho was the coolest manager." Listen, listen. Fucking Tagana used to stand on the touchline with his hands in his trench coat. With a toothpick. I was going to say, he's the one that had the, the toothpick, cool. wasn't he? Oh, mate, he was the definition of cool. Cool as ice. When Sean Davis scored that famous goal against Blackburn Rovers away, and he went into the corner doing the dance, Tagana's expression was just, the way he reacted was just prolaced. It's just gold. I love the bloke. You can tell I've got a lot of time for him. And the style of football we played as well. But then I could have come close. Number two would have been Slavisha Jokanovic. I'm sure who you, you remember as well. He yep. was, oh, mate, what he did at Fulham was brilliant and that's never going to be underlooked. Um, Roy Hodgson, he's a god. Yep. He's a god at Fulham. Uncle Roy. Chris Coleman, he yep. ended up doing yep. well. But um, your man we got now, Marco Silva, brilliant. I mean, if I want to talk about shit managers, I probably would have said um, Felix McGaff because... He was a weird one. I remember meeting him once as well at Fulham 
um, in the players' lounge after we've just lost. We ended up losing to Chelsea. It was either two nil, three nil. I met him and he just like he was just a bit of a weird character. You know what I mean? He looked yeah. a bit like the kid. Is it Mighty Mouse or something like that? You know, the kid <laughs> doing Mighty Mouse with the glasses and that. Yeah. Oh, um, you think uh, Danger Mouse Penfold? That's it, Penfold. Yeah, he's yeah. a weird, weird looking geezer, man. And I remember Angerland, Angerland. He um he ended up injuring his knee, and he uh, McGaff told him to put cheese on his knee. He said it helped the swelling. I mean, I mean that's all well and good if you want yeah. a sandwich, but not if you want your you know knee to go down. Fucking mental, mate. Absolute header. <laughs> so I'll, I'll start off with the manager, mate. Please with um. Tigana. That's fine. All right. Um, I'm going to start yeah. with a goalkeeper. Yeah. I was going to say you can go front to back or back to front. It's up to you. I might go. Yeah, I'm going to do goalkeeper and um, Edwin van der Sar. He yeah. was, without doubt, one of the best goalkeepers I've ever seen, not only at the cottage, but in my life. Um, you just knew that that bloke was going to go on to bigger and better things. Sadly, he didn't when he went to Man United. <laughs> Touche. He was brilliant, mate. And some of the saves, there's a save he did against Cholton. And I can't seem to find it anywhere, but I can't think of his name. Earnshaw or someone, not Earnshaw, it was someone like that. Had a shot, Darren Huckabee, Amb- I can't remember. Ambrose, he had a shot right by the near post and Van der Sar saved it with his foot, like almost put his studs on it. Yeah. And then put- Kicked it around the corner and it was like, I can't seem to find it anywhere, mate. Anywhere. But um, talking about goalkeeping um, performances, uh, Mark Crossley against Newcastle when we beat them 4-1, often mentioned it to him on Twitter, chatting to him. He um, he saved all sorts of shots. Uh, I remember one of them hit him right in the face as well, right in his boat, one of them. And he was, he, he was battered after the game, but he... What a performance! That's probably one of the best goalkeeping performances in a in a single game ever. Like that was just incredible. Yeah, you say about taking uh, football to the first because I, I used to play in goal for the, the West Brom blind team, and the balls they use they got like the metal bearings in them. Right, so they're, they're a little bit heavier than a normal football, and I caught one in the face, and you know it, it sent me giddy for a few seconds. I <laughs> so uh, yeah, not something I want to experience again. To be fair, no man, but. Right, so Van der Sar, he literally just covers the noughties. No, so that, that's one down from that. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep track of these as we go so you don't sort of go outside the lines. Okay, mate. Uh, all right, so um, right back then? Right back. See, this is where we're going to have sort of difficulties because we've had some good ones over the past, right? Yeah. And I'm going to... I will... Just to jog my memory. Quick Google uh, search. Just just because I know what one I want. But it's, this just adds to the tension, doesn't it, now? He's going to... Yes, he's going to clash in with someone else as well. But, yeah, I'm going to say Morris Volts. Okay. German Is he bloke. German? Yeah, German. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't think where else he was at. I think he actually had a spell at... I want to say... Arsenal, but I might be wrong, but he was brilliant, mate. And I remember he scored something like the 15,000th Premier League goal and it was against a 2-2 draw with Chelsea at yeah. Stamford Bridge. And the the thing was 15,000 volts. And I just thought <laughs> that was brilliant. 
Oh, great punchline. So, here's another one from the noughties. Um, you're right about Arsenal. He, did, yeah. he played for him, didn't he? he? He was there. I don't think... I mean, according to Wiki, he, he didn't there. make any senior appearances for him, but he was there, yeah. I mean, he turned up and picked up a wage packet. Yeah. Uh, went to Wimbledon on loan, uh, Fulham for five years, including a loan spell at Ipswich, and then he went back over to Germany to play for St. Pauli and 1860 Munich. Shit. So there you go. If nothing else, it's a history lesson as well, isn't it, this? We're doing well, man. So that's two from the noughties straight off the bat. So uh... I'm going to try my best now, mate. I'm going to try my best. But I think... Centre-backs now, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. We'll move across from right to left. <sighs> it's going to have to be... I'm going to have to say maybe... I'm hoping you can obviously cut out the me thinking. Oh, yeah. I don't like the awkward silences. Oh, wicked, wicked. <laughs> um, Kit Simons. Okay. Wait, he was sent about, wasn't he? I believe so. I know. Yeah, I'm sure he was defender at least. He was, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was a centre back. Um, uh, 98 to 2001. He, yeah, I'm going to say Kit Simons. Thank he was going to take gonna, up a, a 90 slot, presumably. I was going to say, um, I was going to say Chris Coleman, but no, Kit Simons would say him. Oh, so that's your first one from the 90s then. And one next to him, I'm going to say Zach Knight. Okay. It's one from a little bit later on. He's one that played on played for the Villa as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did, mate. He actually never mind. I think I think he ended up going from Fulham to Villa. I think he was at Bolton as well. Yeah. Um he's he's been about to a few clubs, but he was a good player. Very good player. He's from Solio. I can't have it all, can he? No, you can't. Never mind. He went to the Colorado Rapids for a, a spell. All right. Yeah, interesting. Um, so he's one that would have been at Fulham, 99 to 2007. He was, I'm sure he played for our um, academy and all that as well. Or he was at our under, you know, youth, something like that. He was at Fulham for a long, long time. I mean, you're going to have him for another 90 slot or are you going to fill out your noughties with that? No, I want 90s for that, mate. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Right, so on to your left back then. <sighs> Again, cut this bit out, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll see it when I go on to the uh, audacity to edit it and it will just be like, like a flat I, I line sort of thing. Be, I think it's got to be Joe Bryan, you know. He's, um, he's quite recent, isn't he? Yeah, he is, but he scored the two goals against Brent, uh, Brentford in the player final, so it couldn't be anyone else, mate. I was going to say, for nothing else, you, you've got him for that, haven't you? Can't be. So, uh, he is, well, he's still with the club now, technically, 2018. Yeah, he's out on loan, isn't he? Yeah, he's on loan at Nice. I could think of worse places in the world to be out on loan to. Oh, exactly, mate. Down on the uh, on the south coast of France, all the, uh, all the sunshine. He's Yeah, some player he is, mate. Okay, so that's your defence sorted then. And your first one, well, 
You can have them as your tens or your twenties if you want. Tens. Tens. Righty. Okay. Right. Into midfield. Then should we go for right to left again, or do you want to go left to right just to bring it back the other way? Who can't I use? What year can't I use? Um. You've got two from the nineties and two from the noughties so far, so you can have one more from either of them. But once you've had that one, you can't have another one from the other one. I want to say Lewis Balmore. Eh? Okay, because I'm sure he was. He used to play in in the on the left. Um, sometimes he went over, you know. Sometimes he was yeah. a bit up top. But I remember playing against um. Well, not me personally. When we played against Arsenal, he absolutely we beat them two one at the cottage. Omri scored a blinder, but um. Barmore was incredible. Everything he touched turned to gold, mate. He was best game I've seen him in a Fulham shirt, mate. He was he was genius, absolute genius. So he was uh, you had him on loan in two thousand two thousand and one, and then yeah, he played for here. Arsenal as well. He was at Arsenal. I yep. think he was at. I think he had to spell at Southampton. Southampton, yep. And I think West Ham. from Fulham, he, he went he went to West Ham from Fulham, didn't he? Yep. Then he went over to Greece and. Then South Africa, so, and then Chesterfield randomly. Now. I know, right? He's our assistant now. I was going to say, is he part of the coaching staff? He is, mate, yeah, yeah. So, he's your last one from the noughties. So, you've just played your City Lights rule now. So, uh, all the rest have got to be made up from 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, well, we'll one... see, right? I mean, my knowledge and them aren't so good, but I've got some. I've got some wild cards to play. Oh, that's why Wikipedia's for, isn't it? You know? I'm going to go... So I'm centre mid now, ain't I? Yeah, moving back across. I think Johnny Ains. I'm sure he was a centre mid. Oh. Why not? If that's what you're saying, I'll go with that, because... Well, fuck it. Like, yeah, it's my, it's yeah. my bill, isn't it? Let's stick him in, let's stick him in centre mid, mate. So you need, you need the 11 to be versatile anyway to play today, don't you? So Exactly, man. Right, if John Stones can play fucking centre mid now, then I'm sure Johnny Haynes can. I mean, if Harry Maguire can play full stop. Then, um... That's a fair shout. I don't think I've got anything to top that, you know. <laughs> I'm going to have him there, mate. And um, who shall I have next to him? I want to say, say Rodney Marsh, but I'm not sure if he was more of a winger, wouldn't he? Again, you could have him sort of cutting inside, like, you know, why not? I'd have him on the right, actually. So Marsh on the right, yeah? Yeah, Marsh on the right. Um, so Rodney Marsh let's just see what he's got Fulham yeah he's, Man City as well he ooh, was that one actually he's had two spells at Fulham he was in 62 to 66 and then he come back in 70 something didn't he 76 to 77 for a lower yeah. spell yeah so what do you want to go through for that one 60s cool and Haynes he was he's working 50s he was 50s 60s and 70s wasn't he yeah so again you can have you pick. 50s. I don't go back to the 50s, though, on this one. 60s. Sorry. 60s, then. No, that's fine. Sorry, I'm a third, yeah. Um, so, right, actually, 60s slots filled up, then. Right. And we've still got one centre mid to pick. Um, I know he played more, more of a, a winger, was not he? But I want to say George Best. I want him in the centre with... Um, Johnny Haynes. George Best, obviously more known for his spell at Man United, but yeah, Fulham, 76 to 77. 
No, oh. actually. Oh, no? Yeah, actually. I'm going to say... Let me just let me just check this one. I know he played for us, and I think he was more. Right, where was his position? Yeah, see, he was a defender. Right, I tell you what, take Kit Simons out. Okay. And put Bobby Moore. Ah yes. Sorry, Kit. He would have been was he seventies? Was he? Yeah, he ended up playing in the. Um, I'm sure he was in the '75 Cup final with us. He was '74 to '78, or maybe '77, '78, something like uh, that. '74 to '77, yep. Me, I wasn't too far off. No, no. All right, so that's freed up a space now for your '90s. Right, and that's going to help me big time. So now I've done. I've got one more centre mid, didn't I? Uh, yes, one more centre mid to pick. Nineties. Uh, the thing is, like, and there are so many, and then your mind just goes blank, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I know I should have done my research, mate, and I do apologise. Well, it's, it's no different to when the Cavs were on a, a few episodes ago. They hadn't had a chance to do it, and they were just rattling them off. And, uh, yeah, once we checked, it was like, yep, they're all good. It all fits. Right, let's have a look. Let's have a little gander at this. Right, right. Let's have a let's have a we'll look here. Midfield. Oh, uh, we had Ray Livingston done a bit in midfield for us. He was, yeah. Um, my mind's gone blank, mate. I do apologise. My mind has literally gone blank. Um, Biani Goldbeck. Midfield. He's, he's a more recent one, isn't he? He played uh, sort of 90s and then 2000. Cut that bit out, actually. Forget him. Um, mine's gone blank. I can see him. I can see it. I can't have any more from 2000s, can I? Uh, no, you've had three from the 2000s. So. Magic modules. Um Maybe we'll see. Depends. Uh, see how see how the rest of them go, and then we'll. I mean, you can come back to the centre mid if you want. Come back to centre mid up top. Um, George Best. No, I had George Best, didn't I? No, you didn't. George Best up top. Okay. So that's, with, that was uh, he was seventies, wasn't he? We said. Yeah, with Gordon Davis, Ivor the engine, Welsh. He would have been guessing. Oh, one of the earlier decades. It was eighties and nineties, I think. He was there okay. for a long. He was in there for a little while. I might be wrong, mate, and I do apologise if my, uh, as I said, I'm, I can't remember what day of the week it is. I'm that shattered, but I hope, I'm, I hope I got the right geezer. He's a Welsh. He, he scored so many goals for us; it was a joke. Uh, what was his name again? Gordon Davis. Gordon Davis, Welsh footballer. Yeah, well, that's him. There you go. Fulham, 86 to 91. There you go. Not too bad, man. Uh, you can have him as your 80s, I suppose. 80s, yeah. And then I've still got one from my 90s, ain't I? Yeah, best was 70s. So you've got left now. Well, you've got two spots from your 2020s. So anyone from this squad you could have in centre mid, if there's anyone in I'm particular. Have, I can have Mitrovic up top. Well, and then switch best into centre mid. 
I'm playing four four two though. Not, oh yeah, yeah. Best in best in centre mid, Mitchell Beach up top. Cool. We'll get for that then. Quick uh, tactical change. It's like playing football manager, isn't it? You know. Just... I've never played it, mate. I've not got the. Uh, I've not got the. Um, I'm a very impatient person. I need to be uh, playing. Okay. Football, like I'm like fucking hell. What's going on here? Watching these dots going about. See, I'm, I'm, I'm very much more football manager than FIFA. I get that. I reckon. I bet you. I bet you took like Malcolm from the uh, champ at the conference to the what was it? The Champions League in six not in seasons. recent times, but <laughs> and, and you know this is showing how long I've been playing it. When the first one came out on the Amiga back in the early nineties. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I took Wickham Wanderers up to the well, what been in the European Cup back then, but the Champions League as it is now. And I signed like yeah. Darren Eady from Norwich when he was only a kid coming through the system. Oh, I yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but then you get a lot of the computer-generated players. You don't know who's who, but it just you get to a point when you're just winning all the time. You think, oh, I'll sack this off now. But then the next <laughs> one comes out. It's like, right, new challenge. You get to the same point of that, and it's just repeat to fade year on year. <laughs> but it's I might great. have to try and get onto it. I might give it a go one day. If you want to kill a few hours, then it's a, a damn fine way to do it. I will give it a go, and I'll let you know how I'll get on. So yeah, if you can take Fulham into the Europa League on the next one, then happy days. <laughs> so, um, that's your team picked. So, uh, that unfortunately is everything that I've got for you. It's not not unfortunate at all, yeah. mate. I've enjoyed it. I hope you have. I, I have indeed. Thank you. Um, Sorry, like I say, it... Sorry if I've rushed it, mate. I don't want anyone who's listening or you yourself to think I've rushed it here because it. I just ended up smashing it out. There's been ones that have gone a little over an hour. There's been ones that have gone two hours plus. It's just, it is what it is, pretty much. Brilliant, so, man. Uh, but one thing I will say now is Magic Mod. I really appreciate it. Appreciate I get bored right. right sometimes. It's Thank you for joining me. Yeah, clearly. Um, but you, you said on your, uh, was it your Twitter bio, you're a mix of Paul Weller and Liam Gallagher. So yeah, so I say, what'd you get? Someone I can't think. I did a show, might have been in Brighton or something, and someone said, "What'd you get if you cross Liam Gallagher?" No, he said, "If Paul Weller, Liam Gallagher, Paul Daniels, and Tommy Cooper somehow had a child, it would be this guy here, the Magic Mod." And I was like, "That's a bit fucking weird," but it sort of go. stuck, and and yeah, I quite like it. It's a I suppose it's a it's a comment, you know, it's yeah. a compliment. It's one of those that you put on the posters for the review, isn't it? You know, you got <laughs> mm, definitely, mate. I want to get some of them printed out. I've got loads, shitloads of posters. I showed you the spare room. You'll be like, oh my god, honestly. What I was trying to say before I started tripping over words is thank you. <laughs> no, thank uh, you for having me and uh, no, keep up the good work. It's great. No, uh, I'll take that as a positive review as well. So uh, yeah, no, it's yeah. very good, mate. I enjoyed it, uh, yeah. and um, it's it's a nice thing to do. It's got my brain going and. The change of pace. Some of the good players, yeah, some of the good players from the good old days. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for having me on your podcast, no, and I hope you enjoyed it, mate. Absolute pleasure. No, thank you, and um, I look forward to catching up with you soon. You will do, mate. Anytime. Awesome. All right, Mod, take it easy, mate. Look after yourself. Bye, bye. Uh, it was mentioned at the top of the show. Um, it's a little mini sort of season uh, overview rather than some of the other segments I say whatever the reasons for that um, so we'll start in the Premier League I guess and it was won as we know by Man City who 
took it with you know, a couple of games to spare after Arsenal had been top of the pile for the majority of the season. Um, obviously, Man City in the Champions League final. So by the time you listen to this, they may well have won or lost it. You know, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see on that one against Inter Milan. Um, qualifying for the Champions League were Arsenal, Man United and Newcastle. Uh, Europa League qualification was taken in the league by Liverpool and Brighton. And obviously, as of last night, so that's a bit of a giveaway as to when this has been recorded. Uh, West Ham won the Europa Conference League. So that nudges them, as far as I'm aware, into the Europa League for next season. Uh, Aston Villa qualified for Europe, or at least the qualifying stages, I think, um, for the Europa Conference League. So seems to be a thing about teams in claret and blue that go into that competition. Um, relegated from the Prem were Southampton, Leeds and Leicester. Uh, the top three scorers were Ivan Tony for Brentford with 20. Uh, Harry Kane of Tottenham, although who knows for how much longer, uh, with 30. And out in front was Erling Haaland of Manchester City on 36. Uh, top three assist makers, uh, Leandro Trossard for Arsenal and Brighton. Uh, he got 12. Uh, in second place was Mo Salah, also on 12, but um, he's head on goal scored you know, 19 to 8 over Trossard and Kevin De Bruyne of Man City with 16. So giving us their overview of their team season for the Premier League, we've got Paul from the Mariners covering Leicester, uh, Reedy, formerly of Beat the First Man and Know Your Enemy as well, uh, covering Leeds, uh, Dan is the host of Talk Forest TV, uh, covering Nottingham Forest, of course, uh, Eleanor, who's a football writer, uh, Southampton fan, and We've also got previous guests of the show uh, from the brilliant Heavy North, uh, Steve and Kenny. And just a heads up, there's a new album coming your way in October time, I think later on in the year anyway, uh, called Delta Shakedown. They've already released the uh, first single from it called Where Are You Now? I've got a feeling there's a second one coming, but I can't remember if that's right or not, but I'm sure they'll put me right anyway. Um Electric Soul Machine is the name of their first album. Go and give that a listen as well. I've also got a second take on Everton Season by Tom from Columbia. That's enough of my waffling. Here's the people I've just mentioned talking about their team season. Hiya, oh, yeah. it's uh, Paul from the Mariners and I'm a Leicester fan. So it's been a strange old season for us. Actually, it's not been strange. It's been fucking shit. Um, and that is how I feel about this season. Um, I don't know where to start, really. We went into the season, no expectations, really, you know. Um, I think a lot of fans, if you asked them in August, would have been realistic and said that we're probably a team on the decline. Um, you know, after winning the FA Cup, finishing fifth twice. Um, the season before, the one that's just gone was... A bit of a non-event. We did okay in Europe on paper, getting to a semi-final of a conference league. But, you know, the reality was we didn't play well. Um, And you could just see, you know when a squad needs a refresh. So in the summer, that's probably what we needed. And it's what we didn't get. Um, So looking back on it now, um, the signs were definitely there. But I think you, I thought the decline would be something more like you end up 13th and you just start kind of drifting back down the league, maybe flirting with the relegation, but not actually getting relegated. 
Um, and to get relegated, it was a bit of a bit of pill to take, but can't have any complaints about it because we fully got what we deserved. We've been abysmal, you know, absolutely abysmal. High point, um, there hasn't really been one, let's be fair. Um, you know, you can point to the odd victory here or there. It's always nice to beat Forest 4-0, but it's not something you can brag about now because they've stayed up and we've gone down. Um, we played well against Spurs when we beat them 4-1, but few and far between. There's actually no highlights. There's, you know, how can I say there was a highlight when we ended up stinking the league out? So, no, zero highlights. Uh, the low point for me was probably either losing to Bournemouth at home or losing to Fulham away because um, I think both of those games kind of crystallised it with me that we are likely to go down um, you know obviously we went down last game of the season and we beat West Ham but Everton also won and you know that was sad but I, you know you'd already gone into that kind of game believing that we were going to go down so I remember walking away from the Bournemouth game just thinking, how is it? How's the how has this happened? You know, we lost one nil at home to Bournemouth. We were terrible. Maybe had one shot all game. A, a squad that was broken, no confidence. Um, you couldn't even look to your talisman, like someone like Madison, to make a difference. It was his fault for the goal. He played a back pass and at blind, and then they were one one on one with the keeper, and it was one nil. And it you could you knew after that game that it would take a miracle to to stay up and we just didn't have it we didn't have the fight that other teams had so that was like the low low point but probably in a few weeks time when the fixtures come out when we'll be seeing who we play first game of the season that'll be the lowest of the low points when you say turning point probably turning for the worst um i think the first game of the season really uh, we were 2-0 up against Brentford and coasting um, and it was a warm day and we didn't use our substitutes well. When I say we didn't use our substitutes well, we didn't really use any. And this season was the introduction of five subs. Thomas Frank, Brentford kind of changed it up and they came on really strong. And you could just see we were wilting and we just didn't make any changes. And all of a sudden we lost control of the game. Brentford came back and it finished 2-all. And we were lucky that it finished 2-all in the end. We could have easily lost that game. But when you tune up after know, 75 minutes, you should be coasting to victory. And it was just a sign of things to come. You know, mentally fragile, mentally weak and tactically poor. Um and found out constantly again and again and again and that was a turning point for the worst at the earliest point in the season my hopes for next season are to finish first and get out of the championship very much like what Burnley did this season um, they had a squad that probably needed a refresh and they went down and then they got rid of a lot of the Deadwood and got a bit of a young, hungry team, people who wanted to play for the club again and romp the league. And 
obviously that's what you want. Now, the reality is it's a very difficult division to get out of. So I'm not counting my chickens at all, but anything other than promotion is an absolute failure. I think there's a lot of changes that need to happen, top to bottom, all throughout the club, not just on the pitch. Um, I think you read that Leicester sleepwalk their way to relegation and it's very true um, as I've kind of already alluded to we were a, a tied squad and a you know a, a club I think the whole club just took their eye off the ball and you know the model that worked well for us selling a player a season generate income refresh the squad buy some you know young players who you could flip within a couple of seasons we, we stopped doing that um, we kept hold of them too long. They were running down the contracts. Um, you had players that Rogers openly didn't want, I suppose, at the club. Um, people like Dennis Pratt went on loan last season, came back this summer, couldn't shift him out the door for whatever reason, probably wanted too high a fee, didn't want to send him on loan again, kept him around. I'm not saying, you know, someone like Dennis Pratt is the reason we got relegated, but I can't imagine keeping players like that fostered a good team spirit um, ostracising Sun Chu um, I think the whole ethos of what Leicester did stopped happening and that's not just on Rodgers I think that's the whole club need to take a long hard look at themselves we need to reset and go again you know what worked well what didn't work well um, and we just need to, a massive overhaul in the summer uh, which players do I want out in the summer? All of them. Um, I don't think there's anyone that walks away with any kind of glory after that shit show. Um, obviously, kind of Vardy is immune from criticism because of his legendary status. But you look around the, the squad and there is no one there that I have any affiliation to. So they can all go, as far as I'm concerned. And I just want a new team to get behind... Um, like we just need to draw a line under this it's end of an era and we need to go again fixture I am looking forward to most next season uh, none honestly I can't get excited at all about anyone really coming down Philbert Way or any going away maybe Coventry but oh, I mean it's a bit grim thinking I'm looking forward to playing Coventry again I thought we were past that Sorry to any Cov fans. Um, I'll go West Brom for you, Mark. I like a trip to the Hawthorns. Got many happy memories of going there. So looking forward to to the baggies back in town. Hi, it's Reedy, formerly of the Beat the First Man Parish. And Mark has very kindly asked me to do a review of my team's football season. So when your team is Leeds United, I'm not sure kindly is really the word you would use. Anyway, here goes. So he asked me how I felt about my team season. Now, he did say I couldn't give shit to every single answer, but I'm definitely giving shit to this one. Relegation equals shit. End of. High points. We had a couple beating Chelsea 3-0 at home. Um, I, OK, so everyone was beating Chelsea by the end of the season. Um, and winning 2-1 at Anfield, beating Liverpool away is always nice, especially when it's a last-minute winner. Um, low point, I'd have to go with Bournemouth away. I mean, Bournemouth had a great season and done well, but when you lose 4-1 at Bournemouth, then you know your season's not been great. Uh, what was the turning point? 
I have to say, up until half time against Crystal Palace, I thought we were going to stay up. We were 1-0 up. It would have put us, I think it was five points clear at the time with six games to go. But the second half, we just fell apart, conceded four, lost 5-1. From then on, I think we picked up one point in the last seven games. So I'd have to say that Palace game was the turning point. Um, hopes for next season, God knows. Challenge up near the top, playoffs, top of the league. Uh, as long as we're in around the top six, I think that's got to be where we've got to be. I mean, the optimist in me says we'll challenge for the title. The uh, Leeds United realist in me says it'll be challenging for the playoffs. Uh, what changes need to be made? Where do you want to start? So at the moment, we've got an owner who's trying to more, uh, secure the ground to do his Sampdoria buyout. We've got no director of football. We've got no manager. Uh, I don't know. Where, where do you, there's a lot of change need to be made. We need to get the new owners in quickly, director of football in quickly, manager in quickly. Thankfully, Big Sam is not returning through the door. Let's hope it doesn't hit his arse on the way out. Um, but yeah, a lot of change is needed. Players in or out, oh, there's, again, there's, there's quite a few need to go. I think it's time for some of the stalwarts that brought us up the first time to move on. Uh, the likes of Bamford, possibly Ailing to move on. Um, players in, just tried and tested championship players, really, that are going to get us where we need to get to. Um, and the fixture I'm looking forward to more than next season. Whoa. It's a tricky one, but when you live in Leicester, I suppose the fact that they've come down with us, that did soften the blow, I won't lie. Uh, them home and away. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, obviously, because just the local derby thing. Um, and West Brom, because it'll be nice to have a Beat the First Man Meets Project Football Podcast derby. So uh, there you go. That was my review of Leeds United season. As I said, I wanted to give shit to every single question, but he wouldn't let me. Anyway, enjoy the rest of the show. Take care for now. Hey guys, what's going on? It is Dan from Talk Forest TV. Hope you're doing well. I've been asked to do a um, Forest Night for you guys um, discussing Forest's um, season. I'm a massive Nottingham Forest fan. Um, so I'm going to talk about how our season been. Uh, I felt like this season it has been a really big plus for the Reds staying up. Um, obviously, having this um, team and basically... Starting from having 10 contracted players, yeah, getting players in, some players have to leave just to make sure that we have, we have a lot more quality to the team, which was needed. And, yeah, we've seen a big, massive turnover of players um, at the start of the season. But for Cooper to say that he has been uh, thrown on the bus a couple of times with the media and the media just attacking us, um, We've done well to really stay up, especially with a game where, yeah, we had some great results this season, but we had some really poor results. And it just comes on to the next two questions about high point. Um, getting the job done with one game to go, um, and seeing us beat some of the big six teams down at City Ground this season, it has been a massive, massive point. And the lower point was probably Leicester away for me, um, losing like we did. Um, so that was my low point. It was there a particular turning point. Um, the turning point for me was um, Liverpool game. I went away. I know we lost, but for us to actually go there and actually put in that sort of performance and score twice at Anfield. I mean, how many teams do that at Anfield? Not many. Um, I felt like if we start playing like that, we could stay up and 
we start to um, finish, and we have done just because we ended the season strongly, and the players find that newfound of confidence to be playing away and playing at home, and it's just nice to see that the team could um, push on, and we got some crucial results from that, and we've seen some really good, um, really good. Um, form guys in Daniel and I want you really picked up the form and now I mean Daniel got used to the Premier League he's showing his quality out whereas I want got himself match fit and got himself ready for the running and he's showing his quality so hopes for next season I think with table I'll be happy with uh, if I'm being honest here I think mid table is neither so and 11th 12th I'll be happy with and I think it will show that uh, the progress I think now we've got that cold group of players I think um, I'd be happy um, to be honest yeah. just because of like we had a lot of dead wood and the players that probably we just brought in just to get numbers in instead of doing our jobs that we did do last season where, well season before where we brought the right kind of people that we needed in whereas this season we didn't do it so much, so I think that way and uh, the change that way would I do think would do well. Changes needed to be made to progress. I think bringing in, like as we said, having that core group of players, getting rid of a couple of the dead wood that won't be here and won't be um, playing, and just adding quality to quality. So um, any particular players you want in and out. Um, Ian, I want um, Renning Lodi back. I want Dean Anderson back. Where I had that. I think a couple more. I think we need a striker or two just to help a one Ian so we jack. But we need really quality strikers. I think centre half. If we do play back three a lot more, I think bringing in another centre half bar that I'm quite happy with the squad. That place we have had our place in. Um, I mean, we lost a lot of dead wood now, so I'm quite happy with the people that have done that. And fixtures I'm looking forward to, obviously, first game of the season, last game of the season, Christmas time. Um, they are the sort of fixtures I'm looking forward to. So thank you for listening. Do subscribe to Talk Forest TV and up the reds. Hi, my name is Eleanor Hobby. I'm a Premier League and football writer and a Southampton fan. How do you feel about this season? It's been the toughest season as a Southampton supporter, mainly because of the lack of fight compared to the last two times we've been relegated from the top division. There was an acceptance by the team that we were destined for relegation. We've had some highs, I suppose, but most seasons, particularly in the last few years, we've somehow won against the big six, but lost against the teams that we should be beating. I would have loved to have kept Oreo Romeu, like every Saints fan, and maybe not been so soft when allowing players to leave. We needed experience, and it shouldn't just always be up to James Ward-Prowse to do everything. Lavia's been amazing, reminds me of Tina Livramento's instant impact last season, and Alcraz was the only other signing that had an instant impact and brought so much joy back to St Mary's. If I'm being kind about the owners, because they've made a complete mess, uh, they maybe tried to do way too much too soon. The high point? For me, it would just be Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Uh, wasn't a particularly amazing game, 
but uh, the fans were loud as ever away and we showed a lot of fight defensively. It felt like the biggest weight off my shoulders when we took all three points, particularly because we just sacked Nathan Jones and we'd been on a really bad run. Uh, Man City in the Carabao Cup was nice to have something to shout about again, played some really good football. Uh, I would have said Arsenal away if we'd held on at 3-1 because we've never beaten them away in the Premier League. And I just couldn't believe what I was watching when the first goal went in. And it, it was an amazing game. Low point, um, so many to choose from. A lot of Southampton fans probably just say Nathan Jones. But we didn't win any of our last 13 games, uh, which is just shocking. And we've broken a lot of Southampton records. Uh, we've only had two home wins in the league. Uh, we've thrown away a lot of games, uh, Wolves maybe at home because there was that infamous rant about how 10 men was to our detriment. Uh, Leeds away probably for me because it was just after we beat Chelsea away and I stupidly had so much hope that we could stay alive in, in the Premier League and we could win but both teams were dreadful and we conceded a goal by our centre-back blocking the view of our goalkeeper. <laughs> was there a particular turning point? Um, I think just from pre-season, really, you could tell the players that dejected and they didn't have that same connection with Ralph anymore. Um, we still had a massive problem with scoring goals that had remained since Loney Brozier had just decided to stop scoring in around March. Um, we had numerous problems with starting the season with five at the back. I don't know why we decided to do that, but it just never worked. I'd definitely say during the season... Um, Forest at home is the one that always comes to mind. Um, it was the only game that Forest won away all season, and the whole atmosphere just felt drained. Everyone was booing and screaming at the players. It was awful, awful game, and um, I think everyone just knew we were going to be relegated because we had all these must-win games and we just didn't win any of them. Um, hopes for next season where we will finish. I have no idea where we're going to finish to be honest. Um, our chairman did say, though, that our goal is to unashamedly win the championship. We're not doing a patch job. However, our fans aren't in any doubt that this league is incredibly competitive, especially this season. Um, I think it's going to be really hard, but I hope we make it out this season to prevent us from becoming really stagnant as a club. Um, it's hard to tell before we know which players are leaving because our squad is just massive. A lot of other fans of other clubs see us having a good season because we've got a lot of promise in our young squad. However, a lot of Southampton fans like me thought this in our summer window, and look how this season has turned out. So nothing is certain at the moment. What changes need to be made to progress to the next level? <laughs> um, Prioritise working on a certain style of play that we stick to, and maintain a consistent starting eleven. Uh, we have to instil some confidence back in the team. But obviously this comes through the manager and the leaders and the experience that we have in the team. Uh, Russell Martin is almost certain to come in. So the style of play will likely be possession-based. Um, I'm not really sure at the moment how that's going to suit our team. Throughout the season, we have lacked um, any identity. Uh, we're similar to teams like Chelsea and Forest because we've got such a big team. We've rotated players almost every game and our team just hasn't been able to develop any chemistry or any trust. Um, it would be good to keep players like Nathan Teller um, because he's really improved his fitness at Burnley 
and he proved that he can tear up the championship. Any particular players you want in or out, we have to get rid of Diallo um, if anyone wants him. Uh, he just isn't good in any midfield position. He definitely needs to go. I personally think we have to get rid of McCarthy because he's just been here for too long. He's always got a mistake in him and we just really can't afford that anymore. And I think he's on quite a high wage bill. I don't mind Adam Armstrong staying, but we have to trust he'll score goals like he did for Blackburn. Uh, if Lavi and Ward-Prowse go, we need some quality midfielders. Uh, it's going to be really hard. But I know fans have been talking about Ryan Manning. He's a free agent from Swansea. Created the most chances in the championship this season. Matt Grimes, Callum Doyle has also been mentioned. Uh, Connor Cody, we wanted him last summer. Um, it seems really unlikely, but he would have just been great for having that leadership at the back. Fixture looking forward to most next season. I'd love to go to Hillsborough, Sheffield Wednesday, maybe Sunderland, Middlesbrough, but it depends on where we can travel to from the south coast. Um, but I'll just say West Brom for this podcast. Hi, this is Steve from the Heavy North, and thanks to Mark at the Project Football Podcast for inviting me on to say a few words about Everton's season. I was lucky enough to be at the Crystal Palace game at the end of last season, and remember the celebrations on the pitch. Um, but even then, I think there was concerns about the season ahead, and um, not just the manager, but I think the squad in general. Um, in Frank's last 14 league games in charge of Everton, um, he lost nine times, and towards the end, it was pretty unbearable to watch for me and other Evertonians. I also remember like the, the bleak options for Lampard's replacements, and I think on reflection, I think Deitch was probably the best appointment we could have hoped for. Um, I think a lot of Blues, like me, felt um, that we were going to go down this season. Uh, and if we were, Dyke could have been the one to bring us back up. Because obviously he's had a bit of experience in, in doing that. Um, it's not exactly the best optimistic outlook to have um, halfway through a season when, um, when Frank left us at Christmas and uh, Dyke was appointed in January. Um, I think there's a few positives we can take um, from what is essentially a very bleak season. Um, I think Deitch brought in Abdelai Decore back into the starting eleven, who I think was kind of pushed to the side a little bit under Frank Lampard. Uh, and I think despite Calvert-Lewin's on and off injuries throughout the whole season, and um, was genuinely missing a striker, uh, I think he made the best of uh, a bad situation with Damari Gray and um, the likes of Dwight McNeil coming in as well. Um, but yeah, there's no replacement for Calvert-Lewin, to be honest. Um, I also think Deitch... Uh, did help us to build on the actual performance and our playing a little bit. I think set pieces in particular, corners and free kicks. Um, I think I did see a stat where the, the amount of set pieces and, and free kicks and, and general crosses into the, into the area had massively increased for the for this season for us, but obviously it doesn't end in great results. And I think towards the end of the season, um, as we were kind of getting more more pressure piled on us with the relegation battle. Um, we only actually lost two of the last seven games uh, and both of them were to City and Newcastle. So I think in a season which saw the Premier League fate for Everton basically rely on the poor results of Leeds and Leicester, I think the general feeling after staying up was we just can't go through that again. Uh, and I think even since the season finished a couple of weeks back, um, I think there's also... A bit of concern about a lot of the players that we're currently offloading as well. Um, obviously, Yeri Mina's moved on, uh, Connor Cody, uh, Begovic as well, uh, our, our second goalie. So I think, yeah, there's still plenty of concerns and plenty of worry for next season, but at least we can enjoy 
what is left of the summer with that, uh, before the Premier League starts again. So um, onwards and upwards, and uh, as you can imagine, our friends across the park and my other band members in the heavy north um, have taken great pleasure in watching the Everton relegation battle. So fingers crossed, um, onwards and upwards for the Blues next season. And you know, on a slightly sentimental note, I'm just glad that our last season at Goodison Park is actually um, going to be in the Premier League and not in a not in the Championship. So yeah, thanks again to Mark and the Project Football Cup podcast, and thanks for all the support. Take care. Right, it's Kenny from the Heavy North. I've been asked to um, discuss Liverpool's 22-23 season, um, being a massive Liverpool fan. Um, it's been a bit of a strange one this year, I think. Um, slightly disappointed not to be in the Champions League, but, you know, can't really complain too much as, you know, Jürgen's been spoiling us. So, um, yeah, I think... A lack of transfer activity um, last summer it had a big impact. I think it was clear to see that we were short in midfield, um, and then we brought Arthur in, who you know was being injury injury plagued all season, um, and when he went, he didn't even get a game anyway. So uh, I think a lot needs to be looked at in the with that respect. Um, so yeah, I think we we were left short stocked in midfield and weren't really up to the task. Also, you know, getting to every final and playing every single game that we could the previous season had a large impact, coupled with the lack of summer break. Um, so, yeah, I think there was a, quite a bit of fatigue going into the new season as well, um, which also coincided with the players picking up silly injuries that they wouldn't necessarily usually do. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that also had detrimental effects to how the team performs over the season um, I think Nunes is still bedding in we had massive injuries to Diaz and Jota um, we were out for most of the season um, you know uh, people also forget uh, Van Dijk you know he has he had a big layoff he only come, come back at the back end of last season so you know he's he's just finding his feet towards the end of the season um, and yeah uh, Trent was a bit wobbly as well Trent Alexander Arnold um, at right back as well this season, just uh, defensively amazing going forward as always and I'm really impressed and keen to see him in this new midfield role that he was playing towards the end of the season, I think it made him look like a new player um, and yeah, onwards and upwards I'm, I'm happy with the way we finished this season and um, I'm happy to see that we're prioritising um, midfielders coming in um, in the summer, I wouldn't mind a centre half and potentially a new right back as well, so Trent can be more involved in midfield. And uh, yeah, I'm going to miss uh, Millie and Bobby as well, uh, two absolute Liverpool legends. Um, yeah, so that's my take on it anyway. Nice one. Hi, this is Tom from uh, the Bank Columbia, and I'm going to be answering some uh, questions for the Project Football podcast. Uh, right, how do you feel about this season? Well, I'm an Evertonian, so relieved is the first first thing that comes to mind. Um, and then, well, same way I've been feeling for years, eh? disappointed and angry at the way we've been running. <sighs> yeah, it's just another long, 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 long season that we stayed up by the skin of our teeth and... Um, yeah, that's all you can really say about it, to be honest. I say, main feeling is relieved at this minute in time that we just we, we managed to stay up. 
Uh, question two, high point. Again, as sad as it is, just staying up on that last day, most probably. Um, also, to be fair, the 5-1 win away at Brighton, that was a massive, massive result, and I was in nowhere against the top top side in Brighton, who no one gives a chance, including all us. No one was going there expecting to win that. Um, and I say that, and then probably the Arsenal home game, Dice's first game, again, out of nowhere, pulled that result out, new manager bounce. Uh, so I'd say that the high points, yeah, staying up, brighting away, and the Arsenal at home game. Low points, where do you start? I'd just say the, over, <laughs> the overall season from game one to game 38, really. Um, I could pick out one moment, I'd say a couple, really, for me personally. I'd say, well, actually, when we got rid of Lampard, not because he didn't deserve to go, but I felt at the end of last season that he was go- he was going, we were going to do better this season. I thought things were going to be looking up and for it to go as bad as it did. And then for us to have no choice, really, but to sack him, um, it was, yeah, it was just like, where do we go now? Um, it's, again, how many managers we've had now in the in the past since Moyes has left is just crazy. Um, but yeah, I'd say that and probably the, again, with Lampard, but the two defeats to Bournemouth in a week just before the World Cup. I think they beat us 4-1, was in 3-0, something along them lines. And yeah, bad, bad times. Uh, next question, question three or four is that, sorry. Uh, was there a particular turning point? <sighs> Tough question, you probably have to say Dice coming in. Um, but I'll be honest, I've never... I've, not his world biggest fan, but listen, he came in, he done, he done what we needed him to do, so you can't knock him for that. Um, he kept us up, but yeah, I suppose you'd have to say turning point was, was Dice coming in and getting us across the line. Next question, hopes for next season, where will you finish? All I hope for next season is a boring season. Not being down in that relegation zone and fighting for your lives all season. Just give give me 12th or 13th now. I'll take that boring season and just give us a steady season and something we can build on for the next few seasons because I can't, can't take these with the relegation fights every year. It's too, it's too much. Um, but I'll be honest, I don't think that's what we will get. I think we will be down there again. But hopefully, yeah, I'd take a board, I'd take a boring season finishing in 12th or something right now. What changes need to be made to progress to the next level? First and foremost, the board, the people at the top. The, our biggest problem is the people at the top, the Ken Mites, Michieri, all of them. The way we've been ran is just an absolute circus, and it has been for many, many, many years. Um, and that's why we are and where we are. And end of the day, or every single manager that's came through the door can't be a bad manager. And and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's until there's changes at the top of our football club, nothing will change. Nothing will change on the pitch till that changes. So we need them gone, we need people in, football people who know how to run a club, who know how to get the best out of a club, and then we can move into the new stadium and then we can then we can progress to the next level. But until there's changes at the top, I can't see anything changing on the pitch. <sighs> next, any play, particular players you want in or out, Right, let's start with out. Barron, Jordan, Pickford and Coleman, to be fair. He's past his best now, but he's he's obviously been brilliant for us for years. Apart from Pickford and him, 
I wouldn't care less if any one of them left. I really wouldn't. Not one of them has been consistently good enough to play for Everton Football Club for the past few years, past few years, and it's as simple as that. I say the board's to blame, the manager's to blame, but the players need to take massive blame as well. They just haven't been good enough. Yes, they just got us over the line, but I say if I went for Pickford, we would have been down seasons ago. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose sleep if any one of them left. I really wouldn't. Players in, <sighs> tough one. Um, again, realistically. It's what money we've got to spend with this financial fair play and things like that. I really don't know. So we need some young, energetic, fresh players, people who wear their heart and sleeve and who are going to give it everything for everything and who are just coming in to get a, a big paycheck. And that's what we need and to build on. To be fair, going back to out, I see the, the young lad James Garner who came at the end of the season and got a good run. He, people like him, he versatile, plays everywhere. But... Yeah, particular names I don't really know because with the funds and that we've got, I don't really know who we can get, but desperately need a striker. Desperately need players all over the pitch, but striker desperately, um, or a couple, because obviously Calvert-Lewin can't keep himself fit. Last question. Fixture looking forward to most next season? <sighs> Couldn't, I don't think I'd say I'm looking forward to any of them, but I'd say, as stupid as it is, the first one you look for is always the derby. Liverpool at home and Liverpool away. I've been going to Anfield pretty much every season since I was about 14 years old or something. And I've never seen us win there. The only year we did win there was in, in lockdown. We all couldn't go. This just sums up being an Evertonian, really. Um, and obviously, I've been going. I've missed a home derby since I was probably about eight years old, since my dad started taking me. And I've been every year since. And... Yeah, they're what you look for starters every season. And obviously, then you always have a little look at the teams that have come up, a little couple of away days and all that. But yeah, first, first games you look at are the, the derbies, and that's that really, isn't it? Right, thanks for that. Cheers. Right, Championship. Uh, Burnley won it under Vincent Company's stewardship. Uh, Sheffield United took the second automatic promotion spot. Um, I've actually had teams, sorry, I've had. Fans on of both teams from bands uh, for the Cavs for Burnley and Matilda Shakes for Sheffield United. So you know, go back and give those a, a listen if you like. Uh, the playoffs they were won by Luton uh, on penalties over Coventry City. Uh, losing semi finalists were Sunderland and Middlesbrough, so it didn't work out too well for the North East teams on that one. Uh, relegated were Wigan Athletic, Blackpool, and Reading. Uh, top three scorers were Carlton Morris of Luton on 20. Uh, Victor Gorkares, I think is how you say his name, Coventry City um, on 21. And Tuba Akpom was clear of the rest on 28 for Middlesbrough. Uh, top assist makers were Ryan Giles in third of Middlesbrough on 11. Uh, Jack Clark of Sunderland in second on 12. And Victor Gorkares of Coventry City on 12. But like in the Premier League, it's gone down to uh, goal scored. So obviously Victor Gorkares scored 21 and Jack Clark only scored nine. Uh, so we're going to hear from uh, Ant from the What A Ball Like podcast uh, about Sunderland and Rob from the UTT podcast about Huddersfield. Hello, so it's Ant from What A Ball Like podcast. Being asked to go over Sunderland's season um, from the Project Football podcast, so here we go. Um, how do I feel about the season? Uh, absolutely amazing. 
can obviously getting into the playoffs was was never was never kind of something we were looking for. We were looking for just to stabilise and everything like that, have a good season, you know, maybe win more games than what we lost. But, you know, to play the football that we played we were, were absolutely magnificent, have the injury, you know, injuries that we had and still make the playoffs. Yeah, we never got there. We never got the final, but you know, just an amazing season. Can't wait for what next season will will, uh, will bring. You know, um, the high point of the season was was probably that game at Preston, the last game of the season. You know, winning three 0 away, getting secure in a playoff place. Um, you know, it was just an amazing day. You know, both of us went down and we had such a great day. Um, you know, Ahmad Diallo scoring an absolute worldie. Uh, you know, and the fans just absolutely being amazing for ninety minutes. You know, it's such a such a great day. And it's great to have the club back. Uh, low point is probably losing to Stoke five one. Obviously, Alex Neil left the club. Um, you know, and and took over Stoke, and you know we didn't show up that day. And I think Neil did did a job on us. And it was probably the worst performance of our season. Uh, particular turning point probably Alex Neil leaving. You know, there was there was obviously a little bit of. Tension between him and Christian Speakman of, of who Alex Neil wanted to sign and who Christian Speakman wanted to sign and Tony Mowbray coming in uh, and and you know being able to develop these young players has, has been amazing. He's done such a good job. So you know from 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 at the from at the time where it looked as if it was going to be a really bad moment of our season turned out to be a really good one in, in Mowbray coming um, for next season. Definitely playoffs. You know I'd love to see us get into the playoffs again. Uh, what changes? Need to be made, you know, maybe you know one or two more experienced players to help develop these these young lads. Uh, any particular players want in and out? To be honest, I'm not really all that first. I'm happy to let the uh, I'm happy to let Christian Speakman do all that stuff because he's he's earned our trust now. Uh, a fixture looking forward to next season will probably be Middlesbrough local derby. Um, you know, we beat them at home this year, so that'll be great. Yeah, thanks very much, everyone. Cheers. See ya. Hi, this is Rob from the Unbooking the Territory podcast. Mark's asked me to come on and give a bit of a review of how Huddersfield Town's season went. So it was a roller coaster as always at the John Smiths. Uh, when isn't it? Uh, nice to have a uh, season of mid-table mediocrity, but that never seems to be in the cards uh, down Leeds Road. So how do I feel about this season? Well, went into it very optimistic because we'd just got to the playoff finals the year before. Had a couple of dubious decisions when we didn't get a couple of penalties against Notts Forest. Who knows what could have been. Although, to be fair, we weren't massively up for the game. So, yeah, on the day, didn't feel too bad. When I saw the highlights afterwards, it was like, yeah, we got a little bit robbed there. But never mind, it is what it is. So, preparing for the season under Carlos Corberan, everything seemed to be kind of looking up became apparent that the board weren't going to support Carlos, so he went to a club that was owned by the same chairman as Nottingham Forest, and, and we lost uh, Toffolo and O'Brien to Nottingham Forest. So it was uh, sort of a disastrous start to the season slash pre-season. We brought in Danny Schofield, who had played for the club previously, a little bit of a, I don't know if a club legend's the right word, but certainly uh, very, very popular among the fans. So we were hopeful that as he'd been involved with the coaching structure, uh, the internal appointment, someone who's played for the club before, knows what everything's about, then, okay, it's his first managerial role, but, you know, give him a chance that got a good will of the fans. 
So a little bit of optimism until we actually started playing. And it became very apparent very soon that, that he was out of his depth. We then uh, appointed Mark Fotheringham from coaching in the German leagues. I don't think he'd actually uh, had a first-team job either himself, which was a really bizarre appointment because you would hope that he'd be bringing someone in with a bit of experience. I believe that we'd had Chicho as the temporary manager for the Cardiff game, which he actually won away. So, you know, I'm thinking maybe another internal appointment, but no, Fotheringham gets the job. First game away at Reading. We lose 3-1. The performance was probably even worse than that, to be perfectly honest. You were hoping that um, we'd have a bit of a bounce back, and no, the players played out of position, players not really up for the challenge of it. So, really, really disappointing there. So, Fotheringham lasted, unfortunately, through the January transfer window, and uh, he was then let go. Chicho came back in. Uh, we were hoping that there was going to be you know, a, another success there, but we go and lose 1-0 away at Wigan, and we looked absolutely awful. And uh, at that point, I, I honestly thought we were down. And then the hero returns as uh, Neil Warnock uh, returns, being the manager of the club in the 90s, got promoted from League One to the Championship, got us to the... Um, football trophy final so it was an absolute breath of fresh air and then we went on and got decent results win against uh, Birmingham City decent uh, few results draw against uh, Norwich who were high flying win against Millwall 4-2 win against Middlesbrough uh, which was you know the real statement of intent and and good feelings for the rest of the season really so it, it's been an absolute roller coaster in terms of how I've felt about it the high point of the season has to be staying up, beating Sheffield United, who were chasing promotion and uh, assuring safety. I think that no other club in the era that you've got three points for a win has managed to survive from the position that we were in. And it's just an absolute miracle. And survive with nine points clear of relegation from being seven points adrift it is it's just absolutely insane for the time of the season that that happened. The low point would probably be that uh, 1-0 away defeat to uh, Wigan. A bizarre away day. Uh, I asked for a uh, Coke Zero and a butter pie and they gave me a bag of Skittles and a pint of Fosters. So that just goes to show uh, <laughs> what the, the people at the Wigan concession stands were thinking. But yeah, the, the players looked uh, a million miles off the pace and... Uh, we we end up losing to a very poor Wigan team, so think that you know we wouldn't be able to proceed from from that point. As I say, Warnock coming in was the turning point, but the real moment of belief was that far too um, victory over Middlesbrough, which uh, again they they were chasing promotion. Pearson um, as a defender is uh, <laughs> I think he was the leading goal scorer uh, with goals from set pieces, but. In this match, um, Josh Caroma's finding a bit more form as he did towards the end of the season, which he'd lacked for the last couple of seasons. So it was really good to see him come back to form and all, all sort of part of that one, putting his arm around people. 
In terms of hopes for next season, well, there are rumours that Neil Warnock's going to come back full-time and manage us again next season, which he'd always said he wouldn't. So if that happens, I would be very hopeful that we can hang on to some of the younger players uh, that we've got coming through, make a couple of decent signings, given that we've got the whole American takeover with Kevin Nagel, who owns uh, Sacramento Republic, so there could be a lot of money coming into the club. I'd be hopeful that we can at least have a season of stability and a bit of mid-table mediocrity would be absolutely lovely for a change. So what changes need to be made for us to progress to the next level? Do you have a bit of an ageing strike force uh, in in terms of uh, we've relied quite a lot on Danny Ward? We have a few sort of younger players that we brought in like Therese Simpson. I can't really see him ever kicking on. An interesting one that we've had out on loan, uh, huddling. He is an absolute giant, so you know maybe we're going to be getting some pizza crowd at chess football from him in the future. But yeah, I think we really need to strengthen up front and uh, get a bit more dangerous up front if we want to uh, make it any higher up the table. In terms of players going out, it's going to be really interesting what happens with Sauber Thomas, given that he got uh, loaned out to Blackburn. Does he actually physically want to uh, still be at the club? Will he come back and show the form that he did in the uh, 21-22 season? Really uh, difficult to know. If he does go, hopefully we get some decent money for him. Uh, but yeah, that that's a, a real, you know, is that going to unsettle the ship if he comes back? So well, I'm really on a knife edge with what I want to happen there. And the fixture I'm looking forward to next season, it's obviously Leeds United. They're uh, back down in the championship, so... It'll be good to have that local rivalry uh, renewed again with uh, with Leeds. Uh, we've got quite a few local clubs around us with uh, Chef Wednesday getting promoted, rather than staying in the division. So, yeah, there's going to be um, some some decent local games. But yeah, a bit the one that uh, every town fan will have ringed in the calendar is uh, that game against Leeds. So, thank you for letting me give a summation of Huddersfield Town's uh, seasons and my thoughts for the time ahead, Mark. Really enjoy the shows that they've been putting out, so keep up the good work. Uh, I promise I'll try a bit harder in the Fantasy Football League next season. And if you want to follow me, you can follow me at UTTRob on Twitter. As I mentioned, I'm on a podcast network on Booking the Territory with Dan Griffin, who uh, I believe won the Fantasy League Cup and uh, uh, did quite well in the league. So, you know, maybe you can get some advice off him. But, yeah, we have a lot of fun over there, uh, mostly covering uh, uh, wrestling. So if you do want to step out of the football world, go and give us a listen over there. League 1 was won by Plymouth. Uh, Ipswich Town took the second automatic spot. Uh, The playoffs were won by... Sheffield Wednesday, uh, with Darren Moore in charge. Couldn't be happier for him. An absolute diamond of a bloke he is. And I really do hope that Sheffield Wednesday do well uh, in the Championship next season. And I look forward to having him back at the Hawthorne, so he should get a damn good reception, and he fully deserves it. Uh, They beat Barnsley in the final in an all-Yorkshire affair, and it was very late on that they got the winner. Um, I think it was just stoppage time and extra time. Um, I'm sure... People like Rich Owens will know. Um, losing semi-finalists were Peterborough, although they've probably got to think to themselves, how the hell did they lose that after being 4-0 up in the first leg? Now, if that's not a bottle job, I don't know what is. Uh, and the other one, 
in the semi-finals was Luton. Uh, not Luton, sorry, uh, Bolton. So all these with T-O-N at the end confuses me. Uh, relegated, obviously four go down from League One to League Two. Uh, so Forest Green Rovers went, Accrington Stanley, Morecambe and MK Dons. Uh, top three scorers were David McGoldrick of Derby County with 22, uh, Connor Chaplin of Ipswich Town on 26, and just edging first place, Johnson Clark Harris uh, of Peterborough with 27. Uh, top three assists makers were Aaron Collins of Bristol Rovers with 11, uh, Barry Bannon of Sheffield Wednesday with 13, and Leif Davis of Ipswich Town with 14. Uh, so from League One, we're going to hear from uh, FM streamer True Magoo FM uh, about Portsmouth. So as a Pompey fan this season, we are bitterly disappointed, not even making the playoffs. The team like ours should be minimum playoffs. High point was at the start of the season, we were absolutely flying, we top of the league, and then came the low points. Um, the lowest was probably Charlton away back in, I think it was October, Lost 3-0, Marlon Pax got sent off, got stuck in London afterwards. Turning point has to be Plymouth at Fratton Park in September. It was a two-all draw, and after that, we didn't win a single game for three months. We only took 17 points from 16 games, and Cowley was eventually sacked. Hopes for next season is a tough one. We have to get our recruitment right. We've released 10 players. I'd like to say at minimum playoffs, but... We want autos. We've been in League One for seven years now. Changes need to be made. There's a lot. Like I said, we've released 10 players. So we need a complete rebuild. We need a number 10 badly to support Colby Bishop. He was doing it all on his own last season. Uh, any particular players I want in or out in would definitely be a number 10. Someone like Tommy Lee. We need to get Deshaun Bernard if Man United release him. He impressed on loan this season. And Matt Macy in goal on loan from Luton. We'd like to make him permanent as well. And the fixture I'm probably looking forward to most next season, Blackpool away. I just want to do the weekend up there. It should be a good one. There's a few good ones in, in League One. Bolton, Derby, Reading, to name a few. Barnsley. There's some good away days in our league. But yeah. The life of a Pompey fan. Play up, Pompey. Uh, League two, and it was won by Leighton Orient. Uh, second place, Stevenage. Third place, Northampton. So all those going up automatically. Uh, Carlisle United won the playoffs, beating Stockport on penalties. Uh, losing semi-finalists were Bradford City and Salford City. Uh, top three scorers, Christian Dennis of Carlisle United with 20. Sam Hoskins of Northampton Town on 22 and Andy Cook of Bradford City on 28. Uh, top three assist makers were Ben Whitfield of Barrow on 12, uh, Elliot Watt of Salford City on 16, edged out on goals scored by Owen Moxon uh, of Carlisle United. He got 16 assists, but scored six goals compared to Elliot Watt's none. Uh, from this division, we'll be hearing from uh, YouTuber, uh, creator of Dan's Record Club and author, Dan Barker Gray uh, about Grimsby and from the Light Orient side of things the host of the absolutely brilliant fantastical podcast Steve Nussbaum so here they are um, but this is my um, sort of answer to your questions about uh, about Grimsby this season um, starting off with how I feel about the season um, 
to be totally honest with you, if you'd have said to me beforehand that we'd have reached the last eight of the FA Cup and made it to finished in the top half of the division for the first time in fifteen odd years, um, I'd have been I'd have snapped your hand off to be totally honest with you. So I'm more than happy with um, with how the season's panned out. Yeah, there have been some patchy results along the way, but you know, for a first season back in the um, football league after a rather unexpected promotion last year, uh, got no complaints at all from me for that. Um, and the high point is sort of tied into that because, of course, you, you can't not talk about the FA Cup run. Um, not just beating Southampton at St Mary's, which is obviously one of our, our club's all-time greatest um, greatest results, but also just like the manner in which we've beaten teams such as Plymouth, who we beat in the first round, we absolutely battered them 5-1 at Blundell Park. And, um, excuse me, when we beat uh, Luton in the um, in the third round, uh, was it the third round? Might have been the fourth round. I think it was the fourth. Yeah, it was the fourth round, sorry. Uh, when we beat Luton, obviously, who've uh, been promoted to the Premier League uh, along with their away end. Um, you know, absolutely hammered them at Blundell Park as well. So, uh, yeah, for that, that's got to be the high point, the, the FA Cup run. Even the way we sort of got knocked out of it as well. Obviously, we got hammered by Brighton at the Amex. But, um, you know, it was just absolutely fantastic and great for the uh, great for the town as well. Um, in terms of a low point, I think um, for, for a large part of the season, our own form wasn't the greatest. Um, so yeah, you know you've got you've got to um, if you want to be successful, you've got to strike the right balance of being um, being good home and away. And for a lot of the season, we were we were quite poor at home, so I'd probably have to put that down as a low point. Um, Especially in the league, obviously I mentioned about how we beat some uh, higher teams in the FA Cup at Blundell Park, but yeah, for me the uh, the league form at home has been quite uh, quite low. Um, not so much a particular turning point because we didn't have. It's not like we were fighting against relegation or fighting for a playoff spot. Um, but the um, the home form, actually tying it back to the last question, the home form did sort of uh, pick up a little bit towards the back end of the season so I'd probably have to put that down uh, I know it's a bit of a weak answer really but it's like I say we weren't in the promotion hunt or in the relegation battle at any point for, for me so uh, yeah I'd have to go with that um, in terms of next season I'd like us to have a go sort of better what we did this season uh, maybe sort of uh, get ourselves in the uh, in the mix of the playoffs uh, it's going to be a big ask because obviously there's um, two teams that have come up from the National League that have got uh, a bit of money behind them and um, they're going to be expected to do relatively well in terms of uh, fighting for the automatic promotion. But now, if we could uh, make a bit of a tilt towards the playoffs, not necessarily win them, but just sort of finish in that position and then again have something to build on for the uh, the following season. Um, in terms of changes, it's a bit of a difficult one, really. Um we're doing a lot of good stuff off the field. We've um, just took on a, a data analyst, um, which should hopefully uh, help us um, in an off-the-field sense. Um, on the field, obviously, we, we need a we need a good striker. Uh, goals have been hard to come by this season, so I think a, a, a decent striker for our level is something we need to bring in if we want to compete, I think. Uh, when you say about any particular players that you, I would like to see come in and out, don't really want to sort of put anybody down and say that I want X player or Y player to leave the club. There are some players um, 
who are better than others. I've I've gone on record to say that on many occasions, but I wouldn't want to sort of uh, single anybody out and say, um, you know, this player needs to go or this player needs a, a, a ten-year contract. Um, it's not necessarily transfer business itself, but I'd like us to be able to keep hold of um, our star midfielder, Harry Clifton. He's a Grimsby boy, he's Grimsby through and through. Um, and he's done particularly well, um, sort of, relatively for the past sort of six, seven years now. Um, you know, came through the uh, to the first team as a teenager and then... Um, has progressed to be an absolute linchpin of the team. So I'd like to see us um, secure his signature um, sort of actually over any sort of transfer incomings or outgoings. There are some positions we need to um, strengthen in. Obviously, I've mentioned that we perhaps need a new striker. Um, you know, we're losing John McAtee uh, now, to, uh, who's going to Luton as part of the uh, transfer deal. So obviously, we need to uh, get a replacement for him. I'd also like to see us bring a new goalkeeper in. I'm not... This is Max Crocombe in any way, but I think he's potentially come a, potentially become a little bit complacent in the number one position. Um, so I'd just like to see him challenged more than anything. Don't want to necessarily see him replaced, but I think uh, competition brings the best out of certain players, and I think he's one of them who could benefit from that. And in terms of a uh, fixture that I'm looking forward to most next season, uh, it's got to be Wrexham, on it? You know, last time we played them, um, we beat them in that sort of dramatic topsy-turvy playoff game and all the media onus is on them so I'd like to uh, like to get them back at Blundell Park and hopefully beat them again Hey, this is Steve from the Fantastival uh, podcast just giving my thoughts on Leighton Orient season uh, which has been tremendous really it's very rare you get to say that but um, anyone who follows lower league football and league two will know Orient won uh, the League 2 trophy. It was a, a pretty comfortable and rather undramatic season uh, for the most part, which is really unorient-like. We had a really good start to the season. Uh, we recruited well last summer and went into this summer with fairly high hopes and started it well with a good 2-0 win at home to Grimsby. So some great goals to start off the season and we just kept going from there. We took 28 points in my first 30 games and never looked back uh, from there. We had a great keeper in Lance Vigarou who kept 24 clean sheets, which is unbelievable for any keeper, let alone an Orient keeper in the season. Marshall at the back by Omar Beckles, who was just an absolute rock in defence. Idris Almazuni on loan from Ipswich, gave us a phenomenal season. I really hope we can sign him on a permanent basis in the summer. Although, if you believe uh, what you read, he's been courted by a much bigger club, so we'll see on that one. Fingers crossed that comes off. Paul Smith, uh, who we signed from QPR two years ago, had a phenomenal season from overhead kicks at Doncaster to 40-yard rockets, was just here, there and everywhere, and really capped off a tremendous season. So we go forward. We're now out of League 2 into League 1 and really looking forward to what League 1 gets to hold for us I think we'll be absolutely fine uh, in League One as long as we can keep hold of our out of contract players and I think more importantly as long as we can keep hold of Richie Welland who's been absolutely fantastic for Orient in just over 15, 16 months he's been at the club completely changed the mentality and the feel of Leighton Orient uh, and as a supporter I couldn't be uh, more proud of what he's gone on to achieve with us and hopefully stays for many more years to come I think my personal high point 
from last season, as crazy as it might sound, was actually standing in the away end at Gillingham, knowing a draw or a win would take us up and actually seeing us lose 2-0. But because of the way the other fixtures played out with Swindon beating Bradford, we went up automatically that evening and around the 75-80 minute mark from being a pretty dour 2-0 game where we had a man sent off uh, unfairly, but you know those are the breaks. Uh, 2-0 and results not going our way within the space of 30 seconds Swindon scored and there was a blackout in the stadium which led to scenes that I'll always remember great bouncing up in that scaffolding end away at Gillingham and for anyone who's ever been there uh, you'll know kind of how rickety that stand can be and how rickety that stand can feel so we had a great evening that evening once the full-time whistle went going up that was a Tuesday. The following Saturday, we had crew at home, beat them to seal the league and the championship and celebrated there over an almighty pitch invasion that was really special. And then the week after, we got to lift the trophy at home to Stockport. And again, that was a great night. So almost spot for choice in terms of the highlights, but drilling them away is something that will never be forgotten. So now, like I said, we go on. League One, great time to be an O's fan after you know a few tra- traumatic years at the club where we came down out of the Football League just six years ago, amazingly got out of it with Justin Edinburgh. And sadly, you know we all know about Justin Edinburgh's passing, a real sad story. But somehow, we've got through it, and now the club couldn't be in better hands with the current board we have. And under Richie Wellens, anything is possible. And we've seen that from clubs like Brentford, who only nine years ago were in the same division as us, and look at them now. So there is hope for the lower league teams out there. So I'm looking forward to what League One has to bring. I'm looking forward to going to Pride Park. I'm looking forward to going to Barnsley. I'm looking forward to going to Bolton. And there's a lot more kind of localish teams for Leighton Orient in League One. There's Charlton, Cambridge, quite a few others. Uh, and it'll be a great time to do a few away trips and to really enjoy our football next season. So high hopes here from this Orient fan, but we'll never, you'll never know what's going to happen in football. So thanks for asking me to be a part uh, of your kind of end-of-season review. hope everyone has a great pre-season and gets to enjoy a couple of weeks without football. Although the fixtures come out soon, so we have that to look forward to. So take care, everyone, and up the O's. Uh, rounding things off with the National League, uh, which probably got a bit more attention than it normally would, and it was won by Wrexham. Knox uh, County won the playoffs. Although there is an argument, I think, for a second automatic spot, considering how the league went. But ultimately, the two best teams in the league were the two that you know, got promoted. Uh, they beat Chesterfield on penalties. Uh, with the conference, there's more playoff places, which I kind of like. Um, so, yeah, Chesterfield losing finalists and then also eliminated from that before the final were Woking, Barnet, Borehamwood and Bromley. Uh, relegated were Maidstone United, Scunthorpe United, Yeovil Town and Torquay United. So it seems as though if you called United in the conference, or sorry, National League, um, wasn't a good season for you. Uh, top three scorers were Inni Effiong, um, across spells for Aldershot Town and Dagenham and Redbridge. Uh, he got 23. Uh, Paul Mullin. Uh, of Wrexham got 38 and Macaulay Longstaff of Notts County got 42. Um, I haven't got the uh, stats for the assist makers, so you just have to go with the goal scorers. 
Um, so we've got covering this division, uh, Luke Williamson, as in Luke Williamson Art. Yes, the very same. Uh, he's also the lead singer in the Mariners. So I'll hand over to Luke to discuss Notts County season. So in short, I'm absolutely ecstatic with how the season's gone. Uh, we could not have really asked for anything more. Uh, it's very rare that any fan of any club is able to say that. The uh, season was littered with high points. We've got Langstaff bagging 42 goals, all from open play. That's broke a club record, nationally record for a goals in a season. That was amazing. Uh, club went on to tally 107 points, which, again, is unimaginable for any fan at the start of the season. Um, let alone two sides doing it in the same division, which is obviously why we finished second. But yeah, fantastic. Couldn't have asked for any more. Uh, but I think the ultimate highlight for me was winning the playoffs semi-final in the manner that we did. Um, I know finals are what, kind of what it's all about, but uh, the, the semi-final saw us grab a 90th minute equaliser uh, in normal time and then a 120th minute um, winner in extra time to beat Bournemouth. Um, and see all the place at Wembley. So in terms of drama, that was the best game I've ever been to and for emotion. And yeah, it's great winning titles, but winning winning cup, which is it's technically a cup game, isn't it? A semi-final and a final win the playoffs. Winning games like that where it's all or nothing, um, they're pretty special moments. I imagine they're absolutely horrible from a Boreham Wood point of view and uh, from a Chessville point of view when we went on to win the final but yeah for us they were amazing there was no real low points um, and we can genuinely say that we've um, we came away a little bit disappointed with our 3-2 defeat at Wrexham towards the end of the season which almost confirmed that we weren't going to go up automatically but I think we'd consign ourselves to second place in the playoffs anyway um, for two as I say before for two teams to get over 100 points, yeah, you can't ask for any more. So there's always one that's going to come second and have to be the runner-up. And uh, fortunately, we still went up. The turning point for Knotts, well, it was, it was arguably about a year ago after our semi-final, playoff semi-final loss uh, last season. Uh, we lost our then manager, and um, Ian Burchill, and then Luke Williams took over as manager. Not many Knotts fans had heard of him. There wasn't many expectations, but um, from our point of view, what we what, what we have learned over the last couple of years is to trust the owners. Their recruitment's been spot on and um, their awareness of maybe the lower leagues, but also the uh, unknown talents or the, the, the guys that we genuinely think are unheard of. Um, yeah, the, their, their sort of recruitment's been spot on. Hopefully we can build on this season. Hopefully um, we do what other National League teams or National League winners and promoting, promoted teams have, have done and, and compete in our first season in League Two. Um, I, I, know, I know a lot are already saying that Wrexham and Knotts will be some of the favourites for the division. And we're optimistic, but as, as long as we're sort of safe and uh, mid-table upwards, maybe looking upwards, who knows, another playoff, we'll take that. Don't really need to be any changes at knots for the coming season. Uh, I guess what we do need to do is we need to try and be keeping hold of one or two names that will obviously be attracting interest from elsewhere. Um, our top goal scorer, Langstaff, as I say, 42 goals. He's, that, that's always going to attract interest from the divisions above, but he is under contract and I think it would be a, a club record um, fee that we'd be looking at if we were to even consider selling him. Um 
Ruben Rodriguez, who's been one of the like the creative sparks of the side, he's out of contract. We've offered him a deal at the time of uh, sort of recording this for you. We're not sure whether he's going to sign on or not. Um, so fingers are crossed on that front. But if if he does go and he get, goes elsewhere, there's been interest from in League One, for example. If he goes elsewhere, then we've got to again trust the recruitment, trust the owners, and I'm sure we'll get somebody else in. Our owners are hot on data analysis in sport and they own their own company that does just that. So we expect some names to arrive that maybe aren't household names. Um, maybe players from other National League sides that we've now left behind us. Uh, maybe some other League 2 players or players that maybe haven't quite had an opportunity at other clubs. Um, I, I won't be surprised if it's a, a group of names that we, we don't know a great deal about. But again, we'll be fine with that. We'll, tr- we'll trust what they're doing. Uh, fixtures this coming season, well, we'll have a local derby-ish with um, Mansfield Town once more. And then there's some other trips that aren't too far, the likes of Walsall and Grimsby. But it'll be it'll be nice just to be meeting some of the, uh, the old older foes from the, uh, the Football League once again. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to the new season. So that's the league tied up. Uh, as for the Cups, uh, Man City, they beat Man United in the FA Cup 2-1. And Man United beat Newcastle in the League Cup 2-0. And that's everything for this season overview. Right, we'll round things off with some new music then, shall we? Um, So, in the top six for this episode, we've got tracks from All Right, The Deanies, Spiral City, Barstaff, Dice and Columbia. So... Let's get on with it. So the new track from All Right is called Dress Code, and that is out on the 11th of June, so just after this podcast comes out. Uh, got them described as an indie rock band originating in Lancashire. Not much else to say to that. Uh, that's all I've got at the moment. Uh, Twitter, they're at All Right Official, but the L is a one. And then on Instagram, it's All Right Official underscore just to confuse things. But either way, here's a little bit of dress code by All Right. All right, next up, we've got the Deanies uh, and their track Last Minute Winner, and that was released on the 22nd of May. Uh, The Deanies are an indie rock outfit hailing from Perth's northern suburbs, with each member of the band originating from the UK and Ireland. They bring a noughties UK indie feel with a mix of Aussie influences. The Deanies have stamped their own brand of indie rock on the Perth music scene with punchy guitars, wistful lyricism and catchy melodies. Uh, you can get them on Twitter at the Deanies Band, uh, Deanies being D-E-E-N-Y-S, and it's the same for Instagram as well. So here's a little bit of Last Minute Winner by the Deanies.
third track is Rise by Spiral City. Uh, tipped as the one to watch by BBC introducing Spiral City, a Coventry-based alternative rock band that strives to captivate their listeners by combining infectious grooves, sweeping ethereal guitars and thought-provoking melodic vocals, complete with truly euphoric harmonies. In just a year, Spiral City have played a sold-out headline show at the Tin and Music Arts and released two songs which have been on heavy rotation on BBC, uh, Coventry and Warwickshire and other independent radio shows. Stations, even, sorry. Uh, you can find the band on Twitter at Spiral City Band, and it's the same for their Instagram as well. So here is Rise by Spiral City. Track number four, it's one off an EP by Barstaff. Uh, the track is called Out of Your League, and it's from the show Don't Tell EP, and that was out on the 28th of April. And all I've got for them is just says, show, don't tell. That seems simple but effective enough. Uh, both Twitter and Instagram are Barstaff Band. Um, so, yeah, here's a little bit of Out of Your League off the show Don't Tell EP by Barstaff. How can I compete? Well, I'm speaking, but struggling to breathe. Cause you're out of my league. Yeah, you're out of my league. Cause you're out of my league. Yeah, you're out of my league. Uh, another EP track now. Uh, this is from Dice. Uh, the track is called Eyes Ahead. And it's from the Time Will Tell EP. And that was out on the 5th of May this year. Uh, Dice are an alt-rock four-piece band hailing from Perth, Western Australia. So very much a Australian feel to this this time round. Um, with a sound that has been likened to the first day of summer, the band have spent the past 12 months bringing their good vibes to sold-out shows across Western Australia and are quickly becoming one of the country's most exciting up-and-coming groups. Dice have received... Accolades from fans and industries alike, with Triple J filing the track next to their favourites from The Strokes and The Arctic Monkeys. Last year saw the band release their debut EP, followed by a string of singles, preparing the people of Australia and beyond uh, with a perfect soundtrack to 2023. Their highly anticipated sophomore EP, The Time Will Tell, is due for release in May 2023, as we already know. Accompanied by a sold-out Australian tour, including the renowned Corner Hotel in Melbourne. Uh, the first single received rave reviews and played and placed Dice on Triple J's Ones to Watch uh, for 2023. The track was added to high rotation and sat in the top 10 most played songs on the station for over four weeks. 
So here's a tiny bit of Eyes Ahead from the Time Will Tell EP by Dice. final track of this um it's from a band who have now completed the project football podcast hat trick as in i've seen them live they've been on the show and they've now got a track in the top six segment so they're joining the likes of marseille sam lambeth and city lights i'm quite happy with this one because they are one of the best bands live you will see possibly ever i know that's a bit of a big you know a big sell but Trust me, if you don't like them, they'll be very, very surprised. Um, it is the brilliant Columbia uh, with their next track, and it's called Memory Lane, and that is out on Friday the 9th of June. So a little bit about Columbia themselves. Uh, formed in late 2017, they're a new rock and roll guts and glory powerhouse coming out of the Northwest. Created by a working-class group of friends with no musical experience, Columbia are obsessed with being a proper old-school rock and roll band the likes of which haven't been seen for many years. Columbia found their influences with great bands such as The Verve, Oasis, Rolling Stones, Stone Roses and The Beatles, as well as the underground dance, music and techno scene having a huge influence on them. Columbia are ready to bring the best of British rock back with a fresh new sound. Come along for the ride. With frontman Alex Shepo, uh, bassist and vocalist Johnny Ecclesall, lead guitarist Jay Sweeney, rhythm guitarist Tom Corner, and drummer Jay Corkin. You can find them on Twitter on uh, Columbia underscore and then Instagram, Columbia.music. So it was with great pleasure I introduced to you Memory Lane by Columbia. That rounds off the top six for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed all the tracks that have been featured. Go and give the bands a follow on the various socials. Find them on Spotify or wherever else you get your music. I'm not going to judge. Um, but yeah, with these being all you know new bands, they need that little bit of extra support sometimes. So yeah, go and give them a listen, a stream, everything else, and enjoy it first and foremost. Oh, that's it for another episode. Um, thank you for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, big thanks to the Magic Mod for taking the time to join us for a chat. And a big thanks as well to all of the bands um, that have provided tracks for the Top 6 segment. Um, if you want to leave a review or rating on your chosen podcast platform of choice, that'd be great. 
hopefully be positive. Um, if you want to get hold of the Magic Mod, uh, you can find him on Twitter at Taylor Mod or Instagram at The Magic Mod. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can do on Twitter at Proj underscore foot. Uh, Instagram, Project Football Podcast. Uh, Facebook, you can just search for Project Football Podcast on there. Uh, email, if you've got any suggestions for tracks for the top six, uh, when we do the play on words, anything like that, um, it's projfoot at gmail.com. Uh, you can find Luke Williamson Art on the net at lukewilliamsonart.com and on Twitter at LT Williamson Art. Uh, the Football for Brains 21 quiz book, uh, you can find that on eBay, which the link will be in the episode description. And you can find them also on Twitter at brains underscore 21. Again, thank you very much for listening. We've now reached full time. And all I've got to say now is goodbye and take care.